Hey listeners, do you like reading? Of course you do. You're all smart people who like books and stuff. Do you like slashers? Well, obviously, why else would you be listening to this podcast? I mean, honestly. Well, this week's episode is sponsored by the best of both worlds. David Nora's upcoming novel, Slasher Crashers. When two teens, former friends turned bitter rivals, end up in the beef of a lifetime, they'll stop at nothing to one-up the other. What happens when a deranged lunatic escapes the local mental institution just in time to cross paths with these two former friends turned arch enemies? Well, I guess you're going to have to read to find out. We can tell you one thing, though. What happens is anything but ordinary. You can pre-order Slasher Crasher now on Amazon or over at blackrosewriting.com slash horror slash Slasher Crasher. And fans of the podcast can use discount code PREORDER2019 for a whopping 10% in savings. That's enough to buy yourself half a cup of coffee at Starbucks while you read Monsieur Norris new novel in your cozy own little corner of the store. What else are you going to do in there now that they've blocked porn? Exactly nothing. Time to start the show. Listen to them. Children of the night. What music they make. <laughs> Three lie Manning's out. Three lie. Three lie. Were you guys talking about sports? No. Oh, okay. This is a horror podcast, Alex. We would never. <laughs> horror and sports podcast. Oh no! No one asked season. me about that. <laughs> <laughs> we did not vote on that. Yeah, it's uh, the start of. Well, not the start of, but week three of shitty preseason games that nobody cares about. <laughs> so there's what, like six games on tonight, something like that. Uh, yeah, looks like it. Six games. Yeah, four of them going on right now. Two more starting and there's in a what, couple minutes. There's what, Friday, and then there's like six more on Saturday, I think. Yeah, there's I a lot. Right. There's I a lot like hamburgers. I like hamburgers, too. <laughs> especially during football season. <laughs> <laughs> I like wings during football season. Yes. I'm excited wings. Man, one of our listeners wrote in and asked if we were going to start a fantasy a listener fantasy league. That's right. Didn't and we you? tried. I tweeted it out, yeah. and uh, we got some responses. There were there were a handful of people that responded back. But how many make a good fantasy? Oh, this is where we do there the, should be at least ten. At least to keep 10. it yeah. to keep it horror themed. This is where we do the vampire league. Look, we have another week to get this together. I will, if people I will listen, absolutely. if people listen to this and respond that they want to join in on our uh, on a possible listener vampire league, then let's make it happen. And I will volunteer to be the vampire. Of course you will. <laughs> Is that the same as the commissioner? No. no. Okay. <laughs> so like vampire leagues are what? Like every other team drafts as normal? Every team drafts normally except for one team which doesn't draft. Yeah. And you and get all they the leftovers. Pick, they pick from all the leftovers. Mm. And if the vampire beats another player during that week, they get to pick whatever player they want from that roster. And steal a, ro- a player from their roster. Mm. Okay. That's fun. I'm already bored. Sorry, what? <laughs> this is coming from the person who like last year wanted to be so badly a part of our fantasy league. I, just I think you just the like the text. hate. Yeah. I think you just like the hate. Well, this is a league of this peace is a league this of year. Peace now. So I don't like no being, hate this Yeah, year. I don't like being excluded from group texts. <laughs> That's all you. That's all you want. It's Alex's FOMO on display. I mean, I would. I mean, I could get into it. Alex's full on FOMO, just yeah. Just I don't like being reaching excluded. out to the universe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, as always, I'm Palmer. I'm joined by Alex and Sam. And a nice little 
bottle of wine over here. Mm. Nice little bottle. This is one you've had before, though. Is it? I don't no, know that I've had he the hasn't banished. had this I've one. Had 19, another 19 oh, crimes okay. wine. I think this, this is, is your third one. bottle of 19 crimes. I think this is my second. I believe it is his second. Oh, all right. I think you're thinking of uh, Apothic. I've Maybe. Three different Apothic. Maybe. So, would you want to tell us a little bit about this wine, Palmer? Uh, well, I really like the label. Okay. Uh, <laughs> did I say what it's called? It's the Banished. It's a dark red. This is uh, the 2017. The thing that I really like about the label is that it looks scratched out, but if you feel the label, it mm-hmm. actually like is. Oh, it's textured? Yeah, it's like textured to be scratched out. It's a nice little touch. Nice. A nice little touch. I also like the uh, the, the foggy glass on the wine bottle. I it is nice. A little, nice little touch, too. Foggy? What do you call it? Frosted. Frosted, yes. Whatever. <laughs> you know what I meant, though. <laughs> right? Frosted, foggy. I couldn't think of the word. Foggy glass. I like foggy glass more. I'm gonna just call it foggy glass. I like that also. (laughs) What does it? What does it taste like? Um. Oh, I I got that nice sip sound. Uh huh. Right in your earbud. Yeah, that was a good one. Like very. That way, our listeners can drink at home with Palmer. Very berry forward. Um, Okay. I think I'm getting. I think there might be some caramel in here. I think that there's some... I'm sorry, some what? Some. You actually said it right for the first time in your life. How does he normally say it? Caramel. 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 Not according to you anymore. No, it's caramel. <laughs> I've just changed. I just changed. The the fact that people have recorded evidence of me saying it the other way is, is a farce. This has been edited. He's going to go in and edit This that. has been edited. <laughs> <laughs> Sam spliced that in with some newfangled technology. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, proprietary and just Very in the hands fancy, of our own yes. podcast. <laughs> Even though Sam is not the one who edits the podcast. <laughs> and we don't do anything to enhance our episodes. <laughs> you're, breaking, you're breaking the curtain to our listeners right now. Oh, sorry. <laughs> They're seeing behind the curtain for once. Uh, yeah, uh, vanilla, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, honestly, this is a pretty complex one. Mm. definitely tastes a little bit woody afterwards you know i i have to hand it to you you're getting very good at this so for the people playing at home palmer is making a weird smile right now because he's (laughs) proud of himself so they're saying that it has um uh intense lifted chocolate and vanilla like you said with blackberry and plum fruits okay the plum probably is what makes it feel so like berry forward right plum wines tend to be and then it also has a um an oaky flavor. Okay. So there's no... Uh, there's no, there's no caramel, caramel, though. Oh, bummer. There did say something about um, subtle flavors of clove and cinnamon, so maybe that's what you're maybe tasting. Maybe like a combination of the clove with... with this is a pretty good one. I really enjoy this one. I think it... Yeah. Uh, it seems... Also, also a, a wine that's normally out of my price range, but was on sale, so I could buy it. Oh. Is I really it over, enjoy that. You keep it at the $10 mark, mm-hmm. do you? It's twelve ninety nine, I think, okay. regularly. So just a bit but over. But you got it on sale? I did, yeah. Uh, eight ninety nine, I think. Hey, yeah. proud of you. I am too. Cheers to me. You're about to have a baby. <laughs> you can't be spending all your money on wine. Exactly. Yeah, no, <laughs> Kelly. I was like, yeah, I could get this bottle and this one. I came up with like four bottles of wine. And Kelly was like, you need to put three of those. Back. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, she was like, if you want a case of beer, then you need to put the wine back. And I was like, oh. When she can start drinking wine again with you, maybe she'll... <laughs> 
<laughs> she'll have a different tune. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I do. <laughs> she's she's really gotten into this idea of stuff that like I need to be I need to have ready for her as soon as she's done giving birth. Okay. So she wants a bento box. Okay. Uh, she wants like what she said either like a good stout or a nice. Uh, can't remember what kind of wine. Fuck, well, you better fucking remember. Yeah, I better fucking remember. <laughs> <laughs> is it bubbly? I know she likes bubbly. Yeah, she probably, she definitely had mentioned uh, a cava. Oh, okay. Yeah, she really likes those. Well, you better get on that. Don't so forget. So I just, I have to have like a basket full of things <laughs> ready like to go. Just like a picnic basket full of goodies. She'll literally just pop the baby out and I'm just going to start <laughs> feeding her a sandwich. <laughs> yep. Rightfully so. <laughs> she hasn't been able to eat cold cuts in like 20 years. Uh, Yeah, I really like this wine. This is this is going to be compared to last week's abomination. Oh this goodness. is going to be a lot of fun to drink during the during the cast. Um, we actually have something that's not wine related to bands about though <laughs> today. Who knew? Shocker. Yeah. Right. Uh, so uh, Robert England mm-hmm. came out and he made a little statement about somebody who should uh, take the reins, who should pick up the the razor sharp gloves. Mm-hmm. Don the hat. Don the hat. <laughs> and the sweater. And the sweater. <laughs> Who's that somebody, Sam? There can only be one. There can only be one. Because oh, this, is, this is what happens when sci-fi cancels all your shit. Uh-oh. Master, Somebody's better. Master Kevin Bacon. Ooh. Ooh. I, I love it. Yeah, I feel like I... Sizzling. I feel like Kevin I should have Bacon. been able to hear you like scream with glee as soon as I linked this article to you. I was half <laughs> expecting like a barrage of text messages... Being like, the only thing that could have been better is if it was Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I had to temper my hype. Yeah. Uh, but apparently England said that there were going to be rumors or that there were rumors swirling about this. Right. So England told the crowd during whatever Monster Mania is during his panel. It's only like one of the biggest star conventions. <laughs> whatever that is. Whatever that is. Just because we don't go to it, it's not scares the care. New phone. Who dis? <laughs> That, that that he had heard, yes, that there was a rumor that Kevin Bacon would maybe be doing that. And apparently he's, doing it pretty he's well, quite actually. a fan of Tremors and uh, Stir of Echoes, which I think is a highly underrated movie. Stir of Echoes? Oh, for yeah. sure. I have not seen it in a long time, so I will reserve judgment. The movie's creepy, man. Dead bodies in your house. What year did it come out? Ninety six. Ninety four, sometime I in think. in the early to mid nineties. As long as early ninety nine. Never mind. Ooh. that's probably why you haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah. Ooh. Does that fall into your realm of times where you? Yeah, ninety five to like two thousand five. Oh wow, that's a big gap. Yeah, although it's re- it's really like ninety five to like two thousand two, two thousand three. Okay. See, I like Kevin Bacon in this role because he doesn't often get to play the. The bad guy, right? I feel like Kevin Bacon. He was great in Hollow Man. He was amazing in Hollow Man. (laughs) I feel like it was a poorly written part, but he was good in it. I mean, it was just a pretty poorly written movie that I still, for some reason, managed to enjoy. (laughs) It was a garbage movie. But But we all gave a good score. Yes, we did. (laughs) Invisible dicks, Alex. Yes, you're right. But I feel like he never gets a chance to, or he doesn't often play, you know, the bad, the bad guy. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the more recent movies he was in that I can think of where he was the bad guy was one of the X-Men movies. Was he? First Class. Was he a bad guy in that? 
Yeah, yeah he was, he like was Magneto. Head... No, he wasn't no, Magneto. He, wasn't. he was the head bad guy that Magneto killed. That's right. Uh, I don't remember. Which retconned like the entire series. <laughs> hmm. But that's mm. for a different episode. Yeah. <laughs> that's for We're going to start an X-Men <laughs> podcast <laughs> where we only talk about the animated series from the 90s. So fucking good. I used to like like walk around in my backyard hitting stuff hitting stuff with sticks and just <laughs> singing just that doing the meatly me's of that uh, of that that and gargoyles I feel like <laughs> yeah dude those were some pretty iconic uh, show intros hell mm-hmm. yeah absolutely iconic show intros so Sam if if this happened how excited would you be on a scale of one to to to, to die of of heart failure uh, just the uh, Sign me up for the coronary now. <laughs> but what do you do? A good job? Do you think you do a good job? I think so. I I mean, I've... Again, to Alex's point, you don't see Kevin Bacon get to play the bad guy very often. He'll play, like, the surly cop, you know what I mean? Or, like, yeah. the... He's not necessarily, like, always, like, a goody two-shoes, but, you know, he's never usually the bad guy. Yeah. I did recently watch the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. And it really is. It's not a good movie. No, it's, it's not a good movie at all. It's really not. I wanted to give it the benefit of the doubt, considering I had really liked the Friday the 13th remake when I rewatched that. The 2009 one? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, if you guys have not seen recently... I actually just watched it, because it's on Showtime. Oh, is it? Or HBO, sorry. That's a really good Friday the 13th It is! Film. I wrote, like, a whole fucking, like, six-paragraph essay on Facebook <laughs> about why, oh, how good that movie was. Uh... Anyways, Actually, you know I what? Digress. Wasn't Kevin Bacon the bad guy in Super? Was he? When did that come out? 2010. That's the one with, with Rain, Rain Wilson, Wilson, right? Yeah. And the wrench scene. Oh, God, I love that wrench scene. The wrench scene's great. Where he plays Jacques. He's yeah, I think Kevin Bacon's the bad guy in that movie. And, like, granted, he, he doesn't have, like, a major part in it t- towards the end, but he's kind of menacing in that, mm. from what I remember. It's been a while since I've seen it. I haven't seen it. Super, yeah, dude, I haven't seen Super in a long time. Actually, probably since it was out in theaters. I went to go see that with Greg. Really? <laughs> yeah. Greg loved that movie. <laughs> it was a very Greg film. I think I think Kevin Bacon is good enough to pull it off. I think I think he could pull it off. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm not disputing that. If any, I mean, and if, I'm just asking the hard yeah, questions just, here. That's it. And if anything, acting aside, I think he has the look. Yeah, you throw some burn makeup on him, uh-huh. I think he could pull it off. Yeah, he's definitely got the, he has like the body yeah. He's got the jawline. He has and the like, jawline. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, you know, like completely acting chops, completely, you know. The question is, though, would mm. he be willing to not have his signature mop of hair visible on screen at all mm. times? Well, yeah, he wouldn't be able to. Cause I know. Because the, the hair. He did it would, in Hollow Man, though. Yeah, he did. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He I could think, do it. I don't right. think that he's that attached to his hair. He could do it. It's not. It's not tremors, but he could do it. I mean, if he skips, fuck you. <laughs> then automatic. Just give that movie all of the Oscars for every category. Doesn't even matter what the category is. It goes to this movie. Okay. Well, what do you guys think, listeners? If you if you think this is a good idea, let us know. If you think it's a bad idea, let us know. Tell us why. Either way. If you don't give a shit, I'm genuinely interested in this. Yeah, I am too. Uh, I am. I don't know. Like. I don't want to, like, get too invested in it. Right. It is just a rumor. It is just a rumor, but uh, it's, a, it's a rumor that I enjoy hearing. It's so. true. When you said it, I, my first reaction was, like, awesome. 
Yeah. As long as sci-fi never gets involved. No, sci-fi doesn't need to touch this with a 10-foot pole. Alexander Aha, on the other hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, dude. If Aha did this mm-hmm. and teamed up with Bacon, mm-hmm. that could be interesting. Yeah. It'd that be- could be very interesting. Uh-huh, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anyways. You guys ready to talk about some horror headlines? I kind of want to let Alex's puns soak for a little bit longer. <laughs> Please don't let me linger in this juice. <laughs> Man, I'm ashamed. That was something I should have said, not you. <laughs> some horror headlines. All right, starting off with the horror box office. Uh, this week, 47 meters down uncaged ended up being a wash, uh, bringing in a meager $9 million during its opening. I'm surprised by that, to be honest with you. I thought it was going to do better. Especially considering how well the first one did. Yeah. I think the first one was a fluke. Yeah. Yeah. I Just because like, it was like bad release time. There's been a lot of horror this summer. Yeah. When the first one was released, it didn't have as much horror to compete with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it had a PG-13 horror film that it was trying to compete with. Well, I guess mm-hmm. this one was PG-13, too, huh? Yes. A better PG-13 movie to compete with. I just with. feel like Did, sum, summertime and shark movies would just go hand in hand, though. A beginning of summer. You're right. Yeah, it's we're too, too late spooky. in the year. Yeah, too late in the year. Too late in the year what, for sharks. What, uh, did you did you see it? No, no. we haven't seen no? it. Okay, 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 okay. I thought you guys saw it. We have intentions to, but like if it's in theaters on Saturday, we might go see it Saturday. Why don't you just go see it on Friday before the movie that we go see? It's playing at 4.30. Uh, double feature that shit. I might be able to do that. Cause also, well, because she's at work. Um, yeah, she's working tomorrow. I was thinking about going to see Scary Stories before we go see the other movie. It was good. Was it? Yep. Cool. When did you see it? Over the week, I literally, like, when Mike was texting, I was like, I just got out of a movie. I couldn't respond. Oh, I didn't know that's what you saw. Yeah. Okay. What? You went to the movies without us? I told you guys that I was going to, that I already had my ticket last week. You had my ticket. (sighs) You say this like we listen to you. You're not allowed to do things without us. Alex's FOMO is kicking in. (laughs) My eyes are starting to glaze over. I'm foaming at the mouth a little bit. Uh, ultimately, it's going to be hard for the uh, film to recoup its money this time around. It doesn't seem to be as much of a runaway success as the first entry. Uh, the budget apparently was reported at uh, $12.5 million. So it's got to hit around $25 million to clear the waves. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, right. It's still possible, though. I mean, it could end up being a success. I don't want to rule it out, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, honestly, I just I don't know. It didn't look very good uh, to me, at least. I think the Rotten Tomato score reflects that, but then again, the Rotten Tomato scores for La Llorona and the Nun were terrible, and both of those went on to make more money than I'll ever see in my lifetime. So. <laughs> this movie made more money than you'll ever see yes, in your lifetime. <laughs> maybe maybe Rotten Tomato scores aren't the greatest gauges of but success. 76% of Google users like this movie. That's, like, that's true, apparently. The, like Uncaged. Oh, okay. That's pretty low for Google users, though. That is that is Google users are really... If it's under 80, it's a bad it's yeah. A flop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, speaking of which, uh, <laughs> top comment on Google. Uh, I think sharks would enjoy 47 meters down on cage more than humans might. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's probably true. Probably true. Uh, scary stories r- raked in another 24 million over the weekend. Uh, 10 million domestically, 14 million internationally, bringing its total around 40 million and change. So its target is 50 million. Um, should do well enough to surpass that before it's out of theaters. 
So maybe we'll get a sequel because con- they're already talking about one. Congratulations mm-hmm. on contributing to that one. I, yeah. I do my best. <laughs> I Support my best. the little guys. Yep. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, next up, it's trailer time. We for uh, Trailer time. We, we got uh, a stupidly named new Netflix series called The Eye Land, spelled the I hyphen land. Where do you think the I comes from? Apple. Oh, Probably. But then it would be lowercase. That's true. Everything about this title is bad. Yeah, it is. It's not great. <laughs> uh, it's got a dumb title, but the trailer looks like a lot of fun. It's a weird blend of the Belco experiment and Fire Festival. Um, the latter of which was a real life event that marketed itself towards an indulgent and exclusive, or as an indulgent and exclusive music. Yeah, festival. if you haven't seen the documentary on that also on Netflix, you should watch it. It's amazing. Sam- Sammy, what did you say that this movie was like? Uh, if who- Black Mirror. Ha- had a child with Lost and named it Cabin in the Woods on a Beach. <laughs> That's right. There you go. Because <laughs> the end of the trailer has that group of people like sitting there watching all the things unfold on their screens like they're controlling everything. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. And like as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, it's fucking Cabin in the Woods. Right. But the, the Black Mirror thing that got me was the way they did the like the text on screen. Yeah. Where it like flicker in and it had like weird kind of scratchy noises like Black Mirror is mm-hmm. so known for at this point. I wonder if Jaw Rule is going to show up to this. Probably didn't he like he separated himself from that pretty effectively after promoting it and giving money to it and and pretty basically much doing half of it. Half of it yeah. You say that, but uh, if you type in Fire Festival, the very f- first result is after like the Wikipedia entry. Uh huh. Jaw Rule's kids really don't want him to do a second Fire Festival, and that broke three hours ago. Oh, Jaw Rule's thinking about doing a second fire festival? Uh, apparently. Isn't Jesus the one guy Christ. in jail now? Yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah. I mean, he went to Billy, jail last whatever, year, right? Yeah. Billy McFarland, yeah. Yeah. Billy McFarland. Billy McFarland. That's a guy that everyone name. fucking made fun of in high school. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at little Billy little over there. Billy over there. Billy. <laughs> what you doing this time, Billy? Trying to get hot chicks to hang out with me. <laughs> I just, yeah, you should definitely watch that Fire Festival documentary. Have you guys seen it? No, I haven't. They just go like after. Because there were know. two of them, right? There was yeah, one. Yeah, there's one on Netflix and there's one on Hulu. Okay. I haven't seen the one on Hulu, but I have seen the one on Netflix. And like, I literally, after like 10 hours of no cell phone reception, these fucking rich people just like go ape shit and start like looting and like pissing in each other's tents and yeah. stuff. It's crazy. Rich people, what? Rich people are insane. Yeah, I love that true. the very first thing you see though is like the, the fire festival style promo yes. is the swimming pig. Oh yeah. Oh look yeah. at the cute little pig that he's is, swimming. That is a cute little pig. I didn't realize pigs could swim. I didn't know that either. I mean this is a smaller pig. It's not a full grown pot belly pig which I do not think those can swim. <laughs> You'd be surprised. I know a pot-bellied pig, and she can barely walk. Maybe they're better in the water. Buoyant. They're buoyant, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, the trailer pokes fun at the whole fire Festival thing pretty well. Um, when does this come out? September 12th. Yep. All right, you guys. All seven episodes dropping at once, the way Netflix likes to do it. Just yeah. in time for me to stream them all while I play WoW Classic. <laughs> uh... There's it, a lot of stuff coming. There's out a lot. There's a ton of stuff. I've got it all queued up, like ready to go. Oh my gosh! I'm just gonna plow through so much shit while I'm leveling. <laughs> like September, <laughs> September's gonna be pretty bonkers with the stuff that's coming out. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, the series, yeah. You'll have, Alex, I think you already said that it has seven episodes, but yeah, it'll have seven episodes and it'll be available September 12th. So, looks awesome. 
Uh, next up, we have a promotional tra- trailer for American Horror Story 1984. Um, these trailers have been pretty good micro-examinations of slasher trips, each mm-hmm. one poking its head into and taking a gander at things horror fans have come to know and love about these kinds of flicks. Um, this one looks at jump scares. It does. Yeah. Manages to make light of the idea before finally giving way to the more sinister carnage that the show is sure to show plenty of. It looks very, it looks kind of almost cheesy a little bit. Yeah. Which is weird because American Horror Story is definitely not known for that. Yeah. It's not known for being a cheesy show. I'm okay with it, though. I'm actually, like, more excited about this than I have been any season of American Horror Story in recent memory. Yeah, I would agree. But I don't think it's, I don't think the show is going to be cheesy. So I know, I'm, I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before, but... How how much longer do you think the '80s nostalgia hype train is gonna run? Um, well, I think that it kind of depends on who you're talking to. Because like I've done interviews with people that are like, "Oh yeah, it's done." Like nobody wants to pick it up. And I've done interviews with people that are like, "Yeah, I just cleared another script about '80s nostalgia." And I'm just like, "Oh, okay." Huh. So I don't know. I don't know. I, it, Clearly, as soon as it stops making money, is, yeah. when, is when people will stop doing it. Yeah. When is when is zombie uh, yeah. fatigue gonna really set in? Because that's just that's still happening. <laughs> Ten years later. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like zombie fatigue did set in and like because outside of Walking Dead, like there weren't nearly as many zombie movies that were coming out. I feel like we get four major zombie movies a year. You think that many? Yeah. Zombie or like some sort of like play on zombies. <laughs> yeah. Contagion esque yeah. movie. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I feel like well, what's after the 80s? Are people going to you think people are going to move on to the 90s? Oh, kill me. <laughs> the early 2000s butterfly clips for life. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, man, I just want to see some flannel clad killers wandering around. Then you know what? Be the change you want to see, Sam. Exactly. Start killing people. <laughs> Where, start wearing flannel, flannel and wandering around killing people and screaming Courtney Love did it. You, yeah. If you, if you kill enough people, you they might the, talk about a you on the They'll make a movie out of me. We can just come up with an, a catchy nickname for you, like the Fun flannel flayer. <laughs> no, that'll be our that'll be our, our leap into success. Is uh, it's one of our one start, of the hosts. We start hosting more fan events, and Sam just kills everybody. Oh, you're gonna kill our fans? Yeah. I like how it's quote unquote fan events. <laughs> I guess uh, I need to turn that room into a giant walk-in freezer. We flannel flayer. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Look out, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> Your wife's nice, though. She's good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll leave her to mourn. <laughs> uh, yeah, this one's only 30 seconds like the rest of the trailers, but uh, we're getting a pretty clear picture of what FX is aiming for here. Um, but... I was gonna say we can talk about that amazing poster. Yeah, we're this is this is what's really cool. Uh, this excellent poster that accompanies it. It's a feature. Uh, well, it's a woman's face featured with her eyes wide open as she watches a skewered flaming marshmallow come rushing towards her eye. Um, it's very like Fulci in the way that it's it presented, is. but it's like neon. It's day glow, like super eighties yeah. color palette. So eighties. But it's got an eighties color palette, but a giallo. I esque. Yeah, <laughs> everything looked great, but did the marshmallow itself look weird? Like, when I first saw this poster, bit. I thought it was an ice cube. Oh, did you? I definitely thought it was a marshmallow. Yeah, I thought it was. I, I thought it was never had any issues with it. Maybe that. I just haven't. Maybe you just haven't eaten a marshmallow in a yeah, while. Yeah, and my 10-year-old self is punching me from I the mean, inside right now. <laughs> when's the last time you've even seen a campfire, Sam? Probably the last time I had one in my house. That's not yeah. A, yeah. Well, I guess that's like a fire pit. It's that's not, not really a campfire. campfire. Have you ever even been camping? Yes. When? As, as a kid. We need to change that. Do we? Does you really want to go camping with him? 
He sounds like he'd be a huge pain in the ass That's to go true. camping with. You're probably right. You probably are right. I, I'm not probably nothing. <laughs> Pregnant Alex would be more fun to go camping with than you. That's a fucking stretch. At least I'd get drunk. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't need to get drunk to have fun. <laughs> All right. All right. Fair enough. Well, allow me to sip on my beer right now. <laughs> uh, this series also comes alive September 12th on FX. Um, I thought it was September 18th. Oh, is it? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's oh. September 18th. All right, my bad. You were September wrong. September 18th. And you should feel bad. A week later. <laughs> That's all right. It's just padding out more stuff for me to watch while I'm playing Wild Classic. It stretches it out. <laughs> it does. I'm holding on. I'm not going to watch any. Of this. Well, this I'll probably watch, but I'm going to not watch anything and then watch it all on my maternity leave. There you go. <laughs> Keep yourself entertained while you're... Uh, so September 25th. Breastfeeding your kid. <laughs> Come to my bosom. Uh, next up, we got uh, Blue DVDs. And VODs. HIVs. HIV. Well, no, we don't have that. Uh, Mike Flanagan's House on Haunt, Haunting of Hill House <laughs> is getting a three-disc Blu-ray release. Uh, the release is being marketed as an extended director's cut and will be available on October 15th. It will have uh, a DVD counterpart that will also have four discs. Both versions will have uh, the entirety of the first season, including three extended episodes featuring never-before-seen content. Uh it looks like the specific director's cuts episodes will be episode one, five, and ten. Mm. Uh, the release will also feature director's commentary, kind of lacking on special features, to be honest. Uh, that's that's really the only thing listed. Is this the first ever Netflix exclusive to get the home video treatment? No, they put all the Stranger Things seasons on on video. They did with uh, what was that other major show that they had? House of Cards. Uh, House of Cards. Oh, that one aged well. Yeah. <laughs> with with director's comments and stuff like that? Oh, I don't know if they did. If, yeah, they do like, they do commentaries and stuff on their okay. release. I don't know if they've ever done like director's cuts of episodes like yeah. this before. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, but yeah, they put, yeah, you, you can usually see, especially like the Stranger Things ones, like I see them at Target whenever they're getting ready to release a new season. They're hmm. always promoting And they like, don't the put before. this then back on Netflix, do they? Well, see, that's the thing that I'm trying to figure out. Since they haven't done anything like this before, do we think that the extended cut episodes will go on Netflix? Right. I don't really care because I didn't really like this show. Right. But, but I you did. did. Very much so. Yeah. So. And I mean, I just, I read a comment on this article, and I don't know that this is true, but this person was saying that Netflix is supposed to sort of be one of the selling points for Netflix, for creators and for the, an audience is that you don't get stuff like this. It's only seen on DVD. Everything is supposed to be on Netflix. I don't know. I, I don't know, know that they've been doing some, like for instance, the Quentin Tarantino movies, they just did it with hateful eight. It's like okay. three fucking parts now because it's extra long now on Netflix, on Netflix. Oh, okay. That's neat. Um, yeah, they they added like more time to it or something well, like that, like a bunch of deleted. So it's possible that they'll throw these up there after like I would, a limited I hope amount so, of time. Because I don't want to buy them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sweet Jesus, they turned it into a mini season. What? Yeah, the hateful eight. Yeah, yeah. So like a whole season of shit. I it's actually so. a lot. It's a lot better to watch it like that. I think. I can see that. Oh. That's Sam. Are you watching porn? No, I was pulling up the Hateful Eight thing. Mm. Oh, I thought you were watching porn. It's four, yeah, four episodes. That would have been a good porn parody. Haunting of Hill House. No. Yes. What would you have called it, though? The The Boning boning in Hill House. House. (laughs) But is it too, I mean, never mind. I guess I walked into that. 
What? What is Nothing. it to what? No. No. What? No. And I have to. And I have to say it on the co- the cast publicly, where people, <laughs> where people will judge you forever for what's being recorded. Uh, so uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, it's kind of lacking on special features. But if you're if you're a diehard fan of the show, or if you haven't seen it, mm. I guess this is a good opportunity to jump in. Mm-hmm. Um, no word on whether yeah, like I said, uh, Netflix will add these. Stephen King said it was close to a work of genius. Stephen King says that about a lot of things. Not about you. You're right. <laughs> You're right. I just want appreciation. Um, speaking of extended director's cuts, Midsommar is coming to Blu-ray in October without an extended director's cut. <laughs> Why? So, we, so we've talked about the director's cut that was released. Everyone's talked about the director's cut. Yeah. That's all anyone talks about is the director's cut. Uh, that was released and limited in theaters a couple weeks ago. It's coming to us soon, though, right? October or August 30th? I think? August, is it? I don't know that I could sit through that. It's, only, it's supposed to be, what, two hours and 18 minutes or something like that? I thought it was longer than no, that. No, that's the runtime it said... Of the, so the director's cut shorter? I thought it was oh. 30 minutes longer. Well, then, yeah, that would make more sense. Are you sure it wasn't 218 minutes? Oh, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> 218 <laughs> minutes? That's almost four, hours. four fucking hours. Let's see. I Sweet don't know. Jesus. <laughs> I don't think it was that long. They better do an intermission so people can get up and take more drugs and piss themselves. <laughs> well, I think they added an additional 30 minutes of footage to the director's cut. Okay. So if it was about two and a half hours. Oh, sorry. Two hours and 50 minutes. Two, okay. So yeah. they. So the director's cut is 22 minutes longer. Okay. There you go. Thank you. So I This don't is know. where you get the facts, everybody. <laughs> and there's, there's a bunch of articles online that run down the differences if you don't feel like sitting through the extra 22 minutes. If you don't feel like sitting through the extra 22 minutes, then why do you even care about reading the article? I don't know. Just watch the fucking movie. Because you want to waste 22 minutes reading the article, not, not watching <laughs> <Right>? the movie. Hot <laughs> shit. Uh, Ari Aster did mention that he wanted to work on a special director's cut for home release as well, but it looks like it's not happening yet. The upcoming release will be out on VOD and digital on September 24th, and Blu-ray slash DVD combo pack on October 8th. Uh, special features include a featurette called Let the Festivities Begin, Manifesting Midsummer, and Bear in a Cage, which is apparently a promo. Looks like... This is some this is some weak shit. Dude, there's nothing on this. this so is I, I really think shit. that they're like expecting people to double dip, right? Like, this is going to be like one of those, like, all right, people who really want the movie now will buy it now. Just because they want to watch it again? Yeah, and then in like a year, two years, we'll do a super special edition mm-hmm. director's cut of the film with a whole bunch of commentary and a whole bunch of other shit. Yeah, because these special features are weak shit. Yeah, dude, this is a pretty piss poor... It's probably one of the worst... Well, like, people buy the physical, like, uh, alright, so... I'm waiting for his next movie to come out. I think this is what's gonna happen, that they're waiting for his next movie to come out, and then, I don't I don't remember what studio did Hereditary, uh, but do, like, a trilogy Ari Aster collection. Mm. Oh yeah, no that yeah the 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 Ari Aster Master Collection, <laughs> which is so funny because he's not that well known. I mean, he's a very well known director now, but that that sounds like something for a much more accomplished director. <laughs> but like, if you take like Hereditary, Midsommar, and whatever his next one is, I think it's going to be about bears. Did he say it was going to be a comedy? Oh. Didn't he say he was thinking he about he doing a comedy? To, yeah. Boo. Yeah, right. I mean, is it going to be a black comedy? I mean, <laughs> probably. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. He's like Midsummer was pretty funny, so. Um, but yeah, I, I can't. I, I can't condone buying this one, and I hope I hope people don't purchase it 
unless they really want it. But like, I feel like the main reason people pick up physical is because of the special features, Absolutely. right? Or the extras. Yeah. Uh, what's stopping you from just wanting to get this one on VOD if you really want to buy it? Like, if you just want to watch the movie. Again. Yeah. 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 Because there's really no point. I really don't want to see Let the Festivities Begin that bad. Yeah. Exactly. Especially when you'll be able to find it on YouTube in like two weeks. Yep. Uh, next up, we got some Game Boys. Wait, you forgot about Annabelle. Oh, yeah, Annabelle. That was a thing, too. When's How could you forget out? about Annabelle? Annabelle comes home on digital on September 17th and Blu-ray and DVD on October the turnaround 8th. on that is fucking fast. Mm-hmm. With, uh, hand f- with more special features than Midsommar is getting. It's um, still at the drive-in right now. Yeah. <laughs> but I think uh, there's, there's uh, behind-the-scenes sections with uh, some of the boogeymen in this movie, Ooh. which Ooh. might give us ideas of some future spinoffs. Uh, the Bride is not one of them. It's uh, the Fairyman Demon, the mm-hmm. Bloody Bride, mm-hmm. and the Werewolf. Not the Bride. Uh, the Samurai is what I meant. The Samurai is not one of them. Uh, the, oh, bloody, okay. the Bloody Bride is one of them. Yeah. Um, so the maybe well, yeah, maybe the, one the, of those three are a future spinoff. Well, they already didn't they already confirm that the, blo- the Bride Fairyman. is getting a, a movie. And I thought we talked about the Fairyman also. Didn't someone? Okay, say? so maybe both of them are getting a movie. Yeah. I don't care about werewolves. To I, just want to see this I don't even remember a werewolf in that movie. He was movie. the one who chased the guy yeah, remember outside. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. He was the, w- the he one was that got hit with the guitar. Outside okay. the house, yeah. Yep. Now you remember. Now you remember. Now I remember. Now don't forget. I'm going to forget. Okay. <laughs> such a good movie, you guys. The most haunting <laughs> Annabelle yet. 1010 would forget again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so for the games, first up. Well, really, just one thing on here. Uh, first up, what, <laughs> what has been literally years in the making, Blasphemous finally has a release date. Uh, the precious ported piece of pixel art uh, seems to be a great blend of Castlevania and Dark Souls with enough gore to keep even the most jaded gorehounds sat- satiated. Uh, so what's the release date, you ask? September fucking 10th. Just in time for all the shows that are coming out. Are you going to stop playing Classic? No. <laughs> just in time for me to not buy this game. <laughs> <laughs> With all of your new Steam money? Yeah. You're not going to yeah. buy this game? No, I mean, I will. But You're just not going to play it. I won't play it until I'm burnt out of Classic, probably. So mm-hmm. when your wife leaves you and yep. you lose your, you get kicked yep. out of your house. I'll be too neck Where deep. is he going to play Classic if he gets kicked out of his house? I'm not going to ask to move uh, into one of Starbucks our Wi-Fi? Now that people can't browse porn on there, <laughs> I can get all the all the latency. <laughs> <laughs> Um, a new trailer was released as well, showing off all the gory gothic goodies that the game has to offer. Uh, never as ripping out an abomination's intestines and then choking them with it. Looks so pretty. Can't wait. Ooh. Can't wait. Uh, and then finally, there's a fucking awesome but incredibly expensive Mandy mm. replica that mm-hmm. you can purchase. Uh, fans of the recent Panos Cosmatos Cage Station. Did you come up with that, or is that part of the article? No, I, I, I came up with that. <laughs> uh, right. I could feel himself, I could feel him judging himself, As having not said it. it out loud since he wrote it. That's right. It's a he just station. typed it. <laughs> uh, can buy a signature uh, edition replica of the beast, the uh, awesome-looking steel axe that was made by Nick Cage in the film. Legion M, a newer company dedicated to making high-quality replicas by fans for fans have the axe listed on their site starting at $349. A steep asking price, in my opinion, but I guess if it's good quality, can you really complain? Some of the statues that I've looked at since, like, there's that, like, awesome lady Hellraiser statue Mm -hmm. that, like, I fucking want so goddamn bad, but it's, like, $700. Yeah. For, like, it's, like, 18 inches. Yeah, it's not... 
what? Yeah, I'd be like, give me a couple <laughs> feet. I don't give a shit how much detail I had to go <laughs> yeah. into that. Or if it's hand-painted and made in the U.S. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I'm not paying $700 for something that's going to sit on my... my... Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting carried away. I kind of want this axe, though. Do you think you could chop someone's head off with it? Uh, can probably. We, can we sharpen it? If you gave it enough force, enough thrust. And can I sharpen Does it come sharpened? Maybe. Oh, they're the ones that did the Can vinyl. I sharpen it? I have some tools that you can use to sharpen it. I would like it. I'm sure your husband has tools you can use to yeah. sharpen it. He won't let me do that. <laughs> Make him do it for he you. He doesn't let me do anything anymore. Tell him that you birthed his child, and now it's time for him to repay the favor. That's what I want for... I read about this thing called a push present. Have you guys heard of this? Yeah, Use the axe to cut the umbilical cord. Oh, God. <laughs> no, that's fucking metal. I mean, I did just rewatch that movie like a little while ago. It's still so fucking good. <laughs> you gotta play some dank synth yeah. <laughs> while, while Ben just brings the axe down. It is on my playlist. My, my, my birthing playlist. Um, <laughs> my nurse is gonna think I'm weird. Yeah, well, you know, it is what it is. I'm sure they've seen weirder shit. I'm sure. Honestly. At least it's not show tunes. Um, yeah, it's true. <laughs> Hello, my baby. That's the first uh, thing that ran through my head as soon as you see the child's face. Hello, my baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is a full size replica with quantities that are limited. There are only 300 of them, <gasps> if, if I remember correctly. Yes, yes. only 300. Um, Oh no! It also comes with a mounting unit, so you can display it with all your swords and shit. You goddamn weebs, um, <laughs> go buy it so I can be jealous of you and your disposable income. I'll I'm just be over it. here saving all my money for a child that won't even appreciate me for at least twenty five years, assuming it ever does, and assuming I don't royally screw him up. But let's face facts. Maybe he'll like you more if you have a, an axe. I'll just threaten him with it. There you go. I think <laughs> a nice, a good old axe from Southern states would probably work just as well, though. I have a couple of those. You, you should get the axe and then show him Mandy as a documentary <laughs> from a very young age and just get it into his head that this is the real axe that was used in this documentary to mm-hmm. save the world from demons and false prophets. From acid demons? Yeah. yeah. And, and keep calling Nicolas Cage Uncle Nick. Uncle Nick. <laughs> or Uncle Red. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll tell him it's, yeah, it's a documentary and that's where I got the axe from. <laughs> from Uncle Red. Yeah. He made it for me. Mm-hmm. He gave it to me after conquering <laughs> the evil that was out there. Yep. Um, speaking of which, what do you guys? What do you guys think is the appropriate age to let your child start watching horror films? Nine. Nine. Too yeah. old. <laughs> what? What? Oh, okay, well, what are we talking? Like what horror movies? Mandy or like Tremors? Like how old were you when you saw Nightmare? Flesh eating mothers. I don't know. Seven, I guess. I don't know. Six about or seven. seven? I think nine. I stick by my story. I think nine. Nine, you say? Yeah. What about like a Serbian film? When do we start introducing them to that kind of stuff? Mm. Four. They have to have no. They have to have one pube. I don't want my kid watching that, <laughs> regardless of how many pubes he has. Did you guys ever see that movie? Uh, what eight millimeter? Yeah. yeah. My mom would not with Nicholas Cage. <laughs> with Nicholas Cage, that's yeah. right. <laughs> Uncle Red. I think I actually have a copy of it over there, dude. My mom like was so mad at me when she found out I saw eight millimeter for the first time. I when I was like fucking 17. She's like, I weird. told you I never wanted you to watch that movie. I was like, I'm surprised you remembered that. That yeah. movie came out when I was like fucking 10. <laughs> yeah, I feel like <laughs> the more hardcore subversive horror movies, I'd say like, yes, 15 or 16, I think I'd be fine with. See, I don't really remember most of the stuff I've ever seen until I was about 15 or 16. 
See, I remember. And this. then it was usually just hanging out at my friend's house, getting stony baloney and watching mm-hmm. anything we could get our hands on. Mm. Absolutely. I remember watching horror movies when I was younger, though. Yeah, sure. More m- m- like innocent ones, like flesh eating mothers or. I saw The Exorcist when I was like 10. Oh, okay. I think I saw The Exorcist when I was like 13. My mom thought it was a PG-13 movie. Oh, did she? So when she started screaming, let Jesus fuck you, my mom got pretty upset. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, like Silver Bullet. I saw Stop it Stop overreacting, really mom. Right. <laughs> Don't be such a tight one, mom. You're an mom. extra in this film. God, let me just watch it. I just want to see you. <laughs> this, this is for family history. <laughs> uh, but that, I think, wraps it up for the horror headlines, Sam. Oh, yeah, let's... Stuff on slang, right? We do, we do. Oh, Including... Uh, a little bit more Robert Patrick for the masses. Mm. Mm. All right. So first up this week, a movie that we've talked about a whole bunch and that we're all going to go see tomorrow. Friday, right? Friday, Friday. Ready or not. Here we come. So it is tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. It's tomorrow for us. It's today. Today, today for, for everybody else. Whoever's listening to this cast. Uh, comes out on the 23rd for Mythology Entertainment and Disney as distributing. Uh, in theaters nationwide, following a young bride as she joins. Wait, are they distributing it as Disney? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Stupid. Uh, follow- <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this this fun uh, home, home haunting slash pseudo-home invasion kind of thing, follows a young bride as she joins her new husband's rich, eccentric family in a time-honored tradition that turns into a lethal game with everyone fighting for their survival. Design. Mostly her, but I guess she turns it around. Or they just kill each other because they're dumb. Based on the trailers, I feel yeah. I was gonna say I feel like there's yeah. I feel like there's a lot of people. This is gonna this is gonna be like. uh, Tucker and Dale situation yeah. where they're all just killing each other. And she's just like, I don't know what all these people are dying. <laughs> just jumped into the wood chipper. I just watched that this weekend. <laughs> uh, Again. N- next up, out of s- out of Mexico, uh, on the 23rd with a limited release and then coming to Shudder in September, uh, Tigers Are Not Afraid. Desperate and Alone, 10-year-old Estrella is one of those lost children. Given three magical wishes, she, <laughs> one of those, one of those, those children. children. Uh, she asks first that her missing mother return, which she does, from the dead. Mm. Estrella flees to the streets and finds a new surrogate family, a boy named Shine, and a gang of orphans who sleep on rooftops. But she soon discovers that the past and the dead never truly leave us behind. Okay, that sounds all right. Yeah. Uh... So this is going to be a Shutter exclusive scene? Uh, yes. Uh, sometime in September, the date is not announced yet. But okay. considering September is a week and a half away, uh, probably won't have to wait too long for this yeah, one. Yeah, they'll probably release their uh, September. Ca- they always release their September or their following month's catalog in full, like the last week of the month. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, we talked about this one before. So just a little announcement. Jacob's Ladder, which was previously a Dish exclusive. Finally coming to VOD uh, August 23rd, so everyone can get a look at that. Um, early reviews, from what I've heard, are not the best. Oh, really? Uh, and saying that this was a remake that wasn't Didn't necessary. Need to. I and, would have to agree yeah. with that. I like the original. It's very good. And then finally this week, from Sabin Films on VOD on the 23rd, Tone Deaf. After losing her job and imploding her latest dysfunctional relationship, Millennial Olive... 
Leaves the city. That is a millennial name. It is. Played by Amanda Crew, leaves the city for a weekend of peace in the country, only to discover the shockingly dark underbelly of rural America. I thought you were going to say only to discover that her middle name is Oil. (laughs) (laughs) She rents an eccentric, ornate country house from Harvey, played by Robert Patrick, an old-fashioned widower who's struggling to hide his psychopathic tendencies. Soon, two generations collide with terrifying results in this home invasion horror film that's also a darkly comedic critique of of Popeye. (laughs) Of the bizarre (laughs) cultural and political climate that currently exists. Interesting. Uh, You said this trailer looked pretty good, though. This trailer looks absolutely insane. Uh, It looks like a lot of fun. And fortunately, Saban, or hopefully Saban, well, I guess they won't since it's coming out in a couple of hours. Uh, mm. Fortunately, Saban did not bow to the pressure that we saw with the hunt when tackling supposedly. I don't think Saban gives a fuck. Yeah, <laughs> I don't really know Saban, but his last name tells me that he doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this this movie looks nuts. Uh, so really looking forward to this. But that's all we got this week. Ah, interesting, interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm one. mostly intrigued just to see an old fat Robert Patrick. Hey, how fat is he? He's not like. Is he like smoking his lavender fields fat, or is he like? Yes. Okay. He's not like diabetes fat. No, no, no. He's it, not Wilford Brumley. I didn't say that. Hey, I did. I took a photo with the man. He didn't elbow you. He elbowed me. <laughs> There's a lot of weight behind that it's, shoulder it's, now. It's just weird to see because like Robert Patrick, like the movies that people know him from, he's always just like really skinny buff and, evil. and skinny. Yeah. And this, evil. This he's just old, old, thick and evil. <laughs> With you know two what? C's? Everyone yeah. needs to get thick sometimes, okay? Yeah. You're right. You're Maybe right. he's just tired of being no, dude, I just buff say, all the time. I just say if you haven't experienced the thickness, if you're not down with the thickness, mm-hmm. then you're just, you're you haven't lived yet. Yeah. You know, just indulge. Get down with the thickness. Get down with the thickness. Chances like, are if you're like cut and like super jacked, you owe it to yourself. You know what's just nice about, about being thick, thick is is whenever you sit down, it's always like you got a little cushion. You just bring it with you. <laughs> so even the hardest As a p- person who's gone to football games and is fat, I can tell you that is not the case. <laughs> <laughs> even the hardest of park benches feels nice on your booty if you got a little thickness. That's true. That's true. It does kind of just. Can like you imagine how much it would hurt more bench. if you had a bony I actually, ass? I actually, I've been comparing pictures. I think Robert Patrick is T one thousanding into John Voight. Oh God, no! Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull up these two pictures of them next to each other, and it's. Is it something that you think we should share on our uh, social media? Perhaps. <laughs> well, link me, and I will. Uh, I'll put it up there. No, that's the wrong button. All right. <laughs> Sam doesn't know how to use computers. That's Apparently. not true. It's only right. his job or something. I know, right? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to tonight's main event. All right, this week's movie. It's a little movie that you might not have heard of. <laughs> not many people have really heard of it. It's not very popular. It's pretty indie. I'm pretty, yeah. I uh, I think it was released by a lesser-known studio. Lesser Who known goes director. there? <laughs> Who uh, goes there? <laughs> it's called The Thing. It came out in 1982. It's a decade of uh, not known for its horror films. Not a- <laughs> uh, Nothing the, really good happened in the 80s. Directed by a man that not many people know named John Carpenter. Um, he released another smaller film called Halloween uh, that uh, I don't think it was really that successful. I don't think you your people really caught on it. with it. No, yeah. no. Um, it was written by Bill Lancaster, <laughs> who, uh, you know, he's also not a very he's well-known writer. He just did, you know, Bad News Bears and 
Uh, that's really about it. And uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> John Campbell. Um, it stars Kurt Russell as McCready. And all of his hair. And all of his hair. All those of luscious the hair. locks. Uh, you, you know Christopher Walken almost played this role? Oh, really? Yeah. I feel like that would have made this a wildly different movie. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Apparently the other people that were up for it were Jeff Bridges and Nick Nolte. Oh, I could see Jeff Bridges for sure. Yeah, I could see Bridges Nick Nolte. I could see. I have a hard time with um, Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken, thank you. Do you imagine him delivering those lines? No. Palmer. Why? This would be like, the movie would be like twice as long. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get to my shack. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It'd be a much different movie if Christopher Walken was in this film. Uh, Wilford Brimley plays Dr. Bro- Blair. Im- uh, uh, you said his name Dr. wrong. Dr. Bro. It's the immortal Wilford Brimley. <laughs> yes. You're right. You're right. How could I have ever. With his old man strength. With his old fucking man strength. This goddamn Hulk. Um <laughs> T.K. Carter as Nalls. Uh, David Clennon as Palmer. That's you, Palmer. That's me. <laughs> That's you. A spirit animal. Keith David as Childs, uh, who was almost played by Isaac Hayes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I, could, I could see that, too. Yeah, because of their work on together on uh, Assault on Pre- Precinct 13. Um, Richard Dysart as Dr. Copper. Uh, Charles Hallahan as uh, Vince Norris. Peter Maloney as George Bennings, Richard Master as Clark, Donald Moffat as Gary, Joe Polis as Fuchs. His name is Scary? Gary. Oh, Gary. I was like, wow, I missed that completely. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Joe Polis as Fuchs and Thomas G. Waits as Windows. Story of the thing, it's kind of bittersweet. Um, Beginning in its early stages... Well, the background story, rather. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess the, the actual story, too. But it's the pretty background, bleak. Yeah. The, the background story behind it is pretty bittersweet. Beginning in its early stages as a faithful adaptation of the story Who Goes There, the film passed through the hands of several directors before landing in the capable lap of John Carpenter. I think Carpenter is a man who needs no introduction, especially considering how many films we've covered on, uh, <laughs> of his on this podcast so far. But... This remains one of his more unique entries. It relies heavily on visual effects and wades in gore in ways that few other of his films do, at least until this point. Um, sure, audiences had some visual feasts that were released at, uh, from him at this stage in his career, like Assault on Precinct 13 and Escape from New York. Both of those immediately come to mind. But the thing escalated his levels of on-screen savagery to points never before seen from Carpenter. Unlike his other films, the gore is a core part of of the film's overall story. This creature is a thing so menacing, so traumatizing that it trans- that its transformations and adaptations are an essential part of the story. The shock and awe of not knowing what form it will take next, the creativity of the tentacles, the desecration of its aliens hosts. And, uh, well, it's just not something you see often, especially in movies these days without the age of CGI. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the void is really the only one that comes to mind immediately. Yeah. That I can think of. Um, Watching this film in HD does sort of strip away a little bit of its essence. It's a lot more apparent just how rubbery some of the creature (laughs) effects look with the added sheen of high definition. But it doesn't stop the film from being a masterwork of prosthetic and practical craftsmanship. So before we jump into the synopsis, let's talk a little bit about the team behind the effects. Oh, let's. Um, It was run largely by Bob or sorry, Rob Botton, uh, Eric Jensen and Ken Chase. So, uh, Botton and Carpenter have a little bit of a history. A little bit. One another. They worked on The Fog together. Uh, and uh, 
Yeah, Botten leaped at the chance to work with him again. But this was this was an opportunity that uh, gave him ulcers. Oh. They put him in the hospital. <laughs> put him in the hospital. Oh, no. Uh, he, worked, he got, he like, two cases of pneumonia. Seven oh. days a week for 57 weeks. Yep. Wow. And he slept at the studio. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So he put a lot into this, is well, what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> Little His bit. heart and soul is in this movie. And, and that might sound normal if you're talking about somebody who's in their 50s or 60s. Right. Who's like, this is, like, they've been doing this for a long time. Uh-uh. 23 years old. I was going to say, wasn't he in his early 20s? Yep. Mm. Yeah, he was. Um, Botten brought a little bit of logic with him about this creature. He said and this, that this is right after he did the howling, too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, actually, that was uh, Ken Chase that did the howling, if I remember right. The uh, special effects? Yeah. Didn't Ken Chase do that? Botten worked on it. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah. He worked uh, on it. He uh, <laughs> did the makeup for the, I think he was like <coughs> a lead makeup artist. Okay. But Ken, but Ken was the one that did all the prosthetics work and stuff, right? I know they brought him over there, and he just yeah. gotten off the house. Okay, yeah. maybe that's maybe that's why they picked him up because Botten was doing it too. Because if I remember right, Ken didn't come on until later in the in the life of this film. Um, anyways, uh, he he had this logic behind the creature. He said that it had been all over the galaxy, exploring any number of atmospheres, races, and conditions, so it should be able to adapt at will to its surroundings using any number of methods. Mm-hmm. This obviously led a lot to the creature's design decisions and created some of the movie's most awe-inspiring and infamous scenes. We'll go into more detail about that later when we start the synopsis, though. So, why did I call this movie bittersweet? Well, upon release, this movie tanked. Hard. <laughs> Some critics went on to call it an abomination, an excuse for abhorrence and gore, and nihilistic beyond the realms of good conscience. But one of the most seething reviews <laughs> proposed was that it was well deserving of the brand most hated movie of all time. So I've got wow. I've got three specific reviews: one from Newsweek, one from the New York Times, and one from Time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from Newsweek, astonishingly, Carpenter blows it. There's a big difference between shock effects and suspense. And in sacrificing everything at the altar of gore, Carpenter sabotages the drama. The thing is so single-mindedly determined to keep you awake that it almost puts you to sleep. The New York Times went to say John Carpenter's A Thing is a foolish, depressing, overproduced movie that mixes horror with science fiction to make something that is fun as neither one thing or the other. A virtually storyless feature composed of lots of laboratory concocted special effects with the actors used merely as props to be hacked, slashed, disemboweled, and decapitated. And time wraps up this lovely, lovely review with designer Rob Botton's work is novel and unforgettable, but since it exists in a near vacuum emotionally, it becomes too domineering dramatically and something of an exercise in abstract art. Well, that doesn't sound very good to me. No. Could have been better. Could have. So people did not receive this well. No. It wasn't even just critics. Nobody liked Nobody it. Nobody liked it. No. It no. tanked, like I said. Uh, at its point of arrival, E.T. dominated the box office, releasing a mere two weeks prior to the debut of The Thing. A lot of the film's poor initial reception has since been based on this fact. Um, how true that is, I'm not sure. If no. I had to guess, I would actually blame it on the film's nihilism more than anything else. No, a lot of it, a lot of the general consensus is that it it did poorly because of the movies that were coming out at the same time. So, I mean, this was a huge year for science fiction. Right. Didn't yep. E.T. So come out at the same E.T. time? E.T. came out yeah, two, two weeks, weeks before. before. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Star Trek The Wrath of Khan and Poltergeist opened mm-hmm. up uh, the week before E.T. Okay. Um, and then Tron came out, I think, two weeks after the thing did so did 
did people dislike it because it was a different representation of what aliens were then or like a more nihilistic there's some view? stuff yeah there's some stuff blamed on that especially since et would was such a positive representation of right. it right um a lot of it though like a lot of it people just like so this is the type of film that wouldn't get released anymore because okay. of the fact so it, we see it literally all the time with movies going into reshoots based on audience reactions, right? Right. The audience reactions to this were poor from mm-hmm. the get go. From the get go. Yeah. So there was an instance apparently where like the audience uh, audience that was watching it questioned Carpenter as to why the movie ended the way it did. Yeah. Really? And Carpenter Carpenter just said like it's it's not supposed to be resolved. Like this right. is just you're not supposed to know who the monster is. No. And they shot and they, an alternate ending. And they the audience flat out said, oh, well, I don't like that." And they did it anyway. I don't like that. They released, they released yeah. it. So they, I mean, them. they shot an alternate ending to, okay. to try to address that issue, and Carpenter hated it. Yep. Okay, and he was like, "No." He's like, "No, th- th- we're not doing this." Good, because I think the ending is one of yeah. the best parts of this movie. But like these days, these days, no. that would never fly. I think the alternate no. ending, the alternate ending, he gets picked up. Okay, and they're they're back in. Where wherever they are, they're like uh, Kurt Russell gets picked up. Well, Kurt Russell and Keith David and Keith David they get okay. picked up and they're you know they're in a you know a warehouse or a health ward or whatever yeah, getting yeah. like poked and prodded, stitched and fixed, and they get their blood tested and they're safe. Both of them. Both of them are safe, and that's the new ending. That sucks. And he was like, "No, that's fucking terrible." That's lame. Yeah, lame. Yeah. People love things to be wrapped up in nice little packages, though. Yeah, yeah that's what they expect when you go see a, like a, a movie, right? Like it's mm-hmm. supposed to have like a, a happy ending, middle, beginning, and, middle end. Yeah. and a happy ending. Yes. Yeah. And this one breaks the mold. It doesn't really do that. It just doesn't give you any sort of closure on this at all. You're not like, you're not supposed to leave it knowing what's going to happen. No. I think that makes a lot of sense given the context of the film. Absolutely. Um. So. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just not a movie that would have been released these days. <laughs> um, well, it's a good thing it was. Yeah. So with that, well, actually, you know, it's interesting. The reason I call it bittersweet, though, is just because, you know, look, fast forward to now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been years, you know, and it's got a ravenous following now. It sits at a mighty 82 percent on Rotten Tomatoes with fans and audience hailing audiences hailing it amongst the best science fiction horror films of all time. So wasn't it ranked? I don't remember what list it was, but it's like. Somebody did a big list of like a top 500 movies of all time. It's in there. Oh, and yeah. Sure. yeah this, is, this is in there. Oh, for sure. Um, so, yeah, it's it's funny how kind of like time has changed and mm-hmm. and people looking, yeah, look on it a little bit differently. But apparently it changed pretty quickly once it came to home video. Okay. Yeah. Like once it came to home video, people really started being like, this is actually a really good movie. So this wasn't something that took years for it to become a cult I movie. I mean, it did. I think it did for, for it to get as much praise as, as it has now. now. But uh, pretty immediately after it got released, people started kind of changing their tune on it. Okay. Um, but Carpenter really took this personally. Because mm-hmm. this, this is his favorite movie. Yeah. He really took this done. film personally. <laughs> um, so when he when when people bash it as much as he did, I read some uh, at some point in time, he seriously considered quitting directing. Oh, my goodness. After yeah. this. Um, wow. Yeah. So. Could you imagine? <laughs> no vampires, guys. No. <laughs> we wouldn't all. have that movie. Or Ghosts of Mars. <laughs> uh, that was mean. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was kind of kind of a dick move. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's no look village at this. of the damned. Okay, let, I think we need to all focus on that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Alex's favorite movie. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking what's her name? 
Kirstie uh, Alley? Yeah, no Kirstie Alley in there <laughs> getting a baby cut out of her. I mean, it's crazy to think that, like, like his five-year run, mm. even, or shit, stretch it out to six years or eight years, like, his run in the 80s is ridiculous. Yeah. Even with this being so critically panned. Like, if you start with The Fog, you've got Escape from New York, The Thing, Christine, Starman, Big Trouble mm-hmm. in Little China, Prince of Darkness, and They Live. All in the 80s, All yes. in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And this movie almost prevented all of that. Yep. Yep. I don't know. I think people still saw potential in it. Like, they must have, or else or else studios wouldn't have given. That's another thing. Like, these days, you release one flop, and that's mm-hmm. it. You don't see anything by those directors anymore. Yeah. yeah. But see, unless and, your name is M Night Shyamalan, and, and, and this Palmer, this would be the one director that if you say your '95 to 2005 doesn't exist, I'd get on board with you on this one. <laughs> Why do we keep talking about the Village of the Damned? Village like, of the Damned, the best movie. Village of the Damned, Escape from L.A., Vampires, Ghost of Mars. Uh, I'm sorry, Ghost what? of Mars is a fucking. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had somebody try to convince me that that was a good movie recently. Not too. Was it not my too wife? Recently. Is she really into Ghost of Mars? Is because Ice Cube's in Probably. it or whatever? I like that movie. Either, I can't tell when she makes jokes about it. I can't tell if she's, if she's joking serious. or she's serious. Maybe it's a little bit of both, Maybe. Sam. Maybe it's a little bit of both. Garbage Vampires? Fire. Come on, you guys. Come on. That movie's good. Why do I host a podcast with you people? I don't know. Which one of the Baldwins was that again? I don't even remember. Like, <laughs> Like the least popular of all the Baldwins. Uh, that the one that was in was that the Daniel? one that was in, okay. Daniel Baldwin and James Woods. James, <laughs> yeah. Oh, James, I forgot. It James does Woods have James Woods in it. Yeah. Oh, what a movie! What what Dan- a movie. Daniel fucking Baldwin. <laughs> Every time I hear James Woods' n- name, that fucking song from Family from Guy. Family Guy. Yep. It's James Woods. <laughs> He's crazy on Twitter. He is crazy. He's just crazy. Period. Um, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually found it's actually kind of funny how this movie has gone from being panned to being uh, um, celebrated, acclaimed and celebrated because there's there were so many fucking scholarly <laughs> articles I found about this movie. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. But but let's take a look at it starting from the top and figure out what audiences see or don't see in this mindfuck of a film. <laughs> I do want to go back at a certain point to the creature effects because you did leave out uh, one particularly oh, we'll important have, we'll have yeah. plenty of opportunities yeah. to talk about the creature effects there's going to be no shortage of that i promise you uh in antarctica a norwegian helicopter pursues a sled dog to an american research station the americans witness the norwegian passenger accidentally blow up the helicopter and himself <laughs> <laughs> in what is probably like the 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 biggest guffaw of like any fucking like beginning of a film like why would you jump towards the grenade after you pull the pin know. out I don't know. <laughs> that was like the one part where i'm just every time i watch it, i'm like this is dumb this is dumb <laughs> hey man you forgot to mention the spacecraft <laughs> the horrible like only cgi thing in the movie the horrible spacecraft in the opening credits oh yeah 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 that you see for like 30 seconds yeah. and then you never hear addressed the awful <laughs> the goddamn yeah. cgi well that was supposed to be a nod to the short story yes wasn't yeah. It? Okay. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, because you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so they should have done that with practical effects, too. Yeah. Well, uh, the Americans going, go into space, throw a toy into the atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the Americans witness the Norwegian passenger accidentally blow up the helicopter and himself. The Norwegian pilot fires a rifle and shouts at the Americans, but they cannot understand him. And he's shot dead in self-defense. 
uh, by Station Commander Gary. With his nice, fancy pop gun. Yep. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this is one of the most interesting points of the film, I think. Uh, The Norwegians and the Americans... well, the Norwegians, the Americans encounter are t- actually telling the Americans exactly what the dog is. Right. Uh, <laughs> but all you see is them shooting at the dog, yeah, right? You're like, yeah. that's not very nice. And screaming in Norwegian. <laughs> yes. So I actually stumbled across the first of many scholarly articles I read about this movie. There's a 23 page fucking scholarly article about how the events of this film are a dissection of humanity's enabled inability to work together and that it all stems from the events of this one scene. Wow. That's some deep shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think there's some truth to that. After all, they do fall apart because of their inability to trust one another throughout the film. Mm -hmm. But it starts with this. You know, like we have like, so the whole premise of the article was that this movie was such a great representation of the, uh, the barriers that we set amongst ourselves. Okay. (laughs) It was really one of those things that was written by somebody who was probably a goddamn liberal arts major (laughs) and like, 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 that could have been you. Yeah, could you have were been. on track with your English major. I was, he and I have... saw the light and decided <laughs> I wanted to make money. You, you, could, you could have written those scholarly articles. I could have just that what only the done? three of us would read. What have I done? I wouldn't have read it. <laughs> <laughs> only two of us. I read enough shit all day. I'm not reading more stuff. Uh, the American helicopter pilot R.G. McGrady uh, and Dr. Copper leave to investigate the Norwegian base. Uh, among the charred ruins and frozen corpses, they find the burned remains of the malform- of a malformed humanoid, which they recover to the American station. Their biologist, Blair, performs autopsies on the remains and finds a normal set of human organs. Mm. So it's really kind of bizarre seeing Wilford Brumley in a role like this. Yes. Uh he does have kind of the essence of his persona and the character overall. You know, the persona that we we see later and he's more of, readily yeah. <laughs> known for. Uh, not that he's not readily known for this film or anything. No. This was kind of his breakout role. But um, it's not exactly the film that he's known for. You know, the scientist is a bit out of a, out of his purview, but he plays it well. And there's a bit of grounding that comes with the role or with his role for the movie. Like, could you imagine if this was done by, like, um, Jeff Goldblum? I was just thinking Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, especially if you piggyback off what happened in, like, The Fly. Right. I think that might have been a little too eccentric. Too much. You know? Whereas yep. I think I think he, he grounds it he a little bit. He plays, like, a down-earth version. Like, someone that you would think has been up in the Arctic for a really long time. Yeah. And that's precisely why he was cast, apparently. Yeah. It was because it, we, they, That's they where did. they found him. <laughs> in the ice. <laughs> you know that giant pit that they see in the yeah. film? That's what they dug Wilfred Brimley out of. And they're like, all right, this'll do. Yeah, I feel like the 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 um the cast is very much like a down home cast, which I appreciate. It kind of reminds me of when we were watching um Alien, how you could tell they're all kind of like blue collar workers. Yeah, yeah. I think that these people you tell they're out in the fucking Arctic and they have a job to do. Exactly. exactly. There's not a lot of time, I think, in the Arctic for Ethnicities. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, this scene marks the first that we kind of see of Botten's work. Um, it's not animated, but it's clearly uh, an amazing starting point. The moment where Brumley starts to cut into the flesh of the humanoid of the mound and kind of has a direct influence on the film Independence Day. He goes remember, hands in too. Yeah, you remember that alien autopsy <laughs> mm-hmm. scene? He lift, he cuts a little incision, lifts a little bit of film up, yeah. and then he gets into the org. That's exactly what happens in this movie. That's well, so the how noise, I would do it. The <laughs> noise the aliens make in Independence Day, I think, was also copped straight from this. Probably. Probably. It I sounds think, identical. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would be surprised if it wasn't. 
Peace. <laughs> no peace. So good. <laughs> I haven't watched that movie in forever. Welcome to Earth, mo- bitch. What is it? What's welcome this? to Earth, bitch. Bitch. Man, I think it's just Welcome to Earth. Oh my! Because Will, I don't think Will Smith swears. Welcome to yeah. Earth. He's that's his thing. But he says right? it with an F. Earth. Earth. He, actually, he he claims to have said it with a th. I he disagree. lies. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that was prime, like, Will Smith no swearing time. Welcome yeah, to Earth. Yeah, yeah, because he did just, like, release that. Yeah, because like, that's when he was making all the songs the for all of his movies. Okay. No, he did that after Independence Day. That's right. Like, Starting with Men in Black. He started with, like, Wild Wild West. No, Men in Black. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Men, in, okay. Men in Black, Wild Wild West. Rolling through the Wild Wild West. <laughs> the Wild Wild West. Patrolling through the Wild Wild, wild, wild West. <laughs> <laughs> Wild, wild fucking West. terrible just the terrible time in humanity he could have been neo wow wow west huh he could have been neo who's neo will smith yeah like the singer you heard neo? they're making a fourth matrix movie? yeah oh the matrix neo i was like like the singer neo will smith was originally offered that role yeah. oh god ew Can you imagine will smith in that no i can't and i hate it probably too much gun i don't really like him. will smith that much so is it because he's a scientologist probably. no no i don't really care about are that are we gonna be that podcast that can't talk about scientology because we're scared of them I'm not scared of Scientologists. Okay. Not yet. <laughs> We're not big enough to be scared of Scientologists yet. <laughs> uh, another interesting thing, this is the slime and insides were achieved by using a number of substances, including Was KY one of them jelly. eggs? No. No. KY jellies, <laughs> jelly and microwave bubble gum in this particular So thing. while we're there, though. Uh, Which I'm noticing a theme on because Alien had a lot of KY jelly it in did. it, apparently. Too. KY yeah. jelly so, is you, perfect. So that's the thing, though. In the 80s, do you want to know the typical recipes you need? In order to make any creature effects in any Hollywood movie. Yes, absolutely. All right. So mostly they're rubber and foam latex. Okay. And then they're either filled or coated or leaking or exploding the following. Gelatin, Mm -hmm. creamed corn, mayonnaise, strawberry jam, KY jelly. Ew, that sounds foul. Sometimes all at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) What'd you say? (laughs) <laughs> so you could eat it afterwards. Oh no! Well, also, All right, clean up the set, boys. Also, yeah. speaking, a whole bunch of people with spoons. Also, speaking of that, <laughs> Botten wanted to use actual offal to fill up the insides of his creations. Right. And they had a whole bunch of it on set, and they built something, and they left a big fucking box of mm. animal insides. Mm. Oh, is this like a terrifier situation all over again? Where and they all rot, went out. Rotted. They all. They all. They cut for the day. They wrapped. They came back the next day. Someone forgot the awful. And this, the box was offset, so the set itself was refrigerated because they wanted to keep everything cool. Cool to try to make it look like the Arctic. Right. No. Because it was like shot. Los in, it was hundred fucking degrees outside. So they kept it at forty degrees. The box was not inside that forty degree area. The box was was in one of the main areas. In Los Angeles heat. In Los Angeles heat. And they couldn't get the smell out of the room for three weeks. And that's why they decided to not use offal and instead use gelatin, cream, corn, mayonnaise, strawberry jam, and KY jelly. Well, that's just awful. That is just awful. But if you look at any... (laughs) But if you look at any practical creature effects in the 80s and into the 90s and Mm -hmm. even some today... Mm That is more or less the whole list you need in order to create whatever you want to create. I feel like yep. cream corn has come up several times in this podcast, yep. specifically. Yeah. Yep. And, of course, KY Jelly. Yes. The jam yep. makes sense to they're, me. They're just beating off and making special effects all day. <laughs> there you go. There That's you a go. job for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Clark Kennel's the sled dog, and it soon metamorphoses and absorbs the station dogs. Poor dogs. In a scene that literally triggered my dog. 
literally yes. Yes. triggered my 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 oh, poor thing. L- Luna and I were probably having a similar reaction. I was I thought it was pretty funny. I my was my wife literally got on the floor to like console her <laughs> while while this scene was on. <laughs> my pregnant wife is the one that gets <laughs> on the floor to console my dog. <laughs> I'm over here just laughing, laughing. From, the, from the comfort of my couch. <laughs> uh, the disturbance alerts the team and child uses a flamethrower to incinerate the creature. So at this point, the movie goes from suspenseful but relatively normal alien mm-hmm. film into full-on Japanese tentacle body horror. <laughs> because this is what happens when you've got lots of time and you're working people to death. And lots of creamed yeah. corn. And lots of creamed corn. Well, no, this was a lot. Of, this was pretty much his, his. He did this himself. Apparently, he was the one who was like picking up all these roles. Like he was the one who wanted to oversee everything. He wanted to oversee everything because he felt that these were his creations and he needed to he, be- we mean Rob. Rob Button. So, like, if someone's going to do it, it's going to be me. Yeah. Yeah. So, this is my baby. The dog, the dog thing, as it is so lovingly known. The dog thing. The dog thing. Because uh, that's that's what they are. It's so it's, you've got the dog thing, you've got the Blair thing. Okay. It's pretty much the thing. The thing with, of uh, this. The thing, yeah. Of this um, thing. So they wanted <laughs> originally it was supposed to be a giant like mechanical contraption that is the dog. Okay. Uh, but they didn't have the time or the money. Uh, so, giant puppet. Um, as a giant hand puppet, a cast was made of mm-hmm. makeup artist Lance Anderson's arm and head around which the dog thing was sculpted in oil-based clay. The final foam latex puppet, which was worn by Anderson, featured radio-controlled eyes and cable-controlled legs and was operated from below a raised set on which the kennel was built. Slime, though, would leak down the puppet arm Mm -hmm. and onto Anderson, so he had to wear uh, a helmet to keep (laughs) himself dry and... To keep the slime from falling on him. And also to uh, protect him from the explosive squibs uh, that from when they were shooting at the dog. Right, right. Uh, And then... The way they did the tentacles that shot out, it was actually reverse. Oh, okay. Um, so he they pulled, were out, and then he so he pulled them. real hard, um, and then they just flipped the footage to make it look like they're shooting out. Smart, uh, that makes smart, sense. smart. It actually, kind of adds to the uh, element of weirdness behind it because it doesn't look natural. When it doesn't when yeah. they're flailing around. There's it, nothing natural looking about those <laughs> no. tentacles flailing around. So that probably did a good good mm-hmm. amount of help to to add to that. Make them look creepy. Um. They move like they're not supposed to. Exactly, which is part of the, the genius behind all of it. Um, Blair autopsies the new creature and learns that it can perfectly imitate other organisms. Reverend, or sorry, recovered Norwegian <laughs> data leads the Americans to uh, a large excavation site. Oh, wait, sorry. Sorry, there was one more thing. This was the part that we got left out about the special effects people that worked on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the dog was specifically actually uh, created by Stan Winston who was uncredited in the movie. Mm. Um, Winston was known for his work on Aliens, Predator, yeah. Edward Scissorhands, Jurassic Park. He personally said he did not want to accept credit for this movie. Oh, okay. Uh, he said this was Rob's film, and uh, he was thanked in the final credits, but he didn't actually have like a credit of his own. Uh, mm. He said that Botten deserves sole credit. Winston was given a thank you. He said Rob was always very sensitive about his creatures, uh, whether there was too much light on them. Uh, and so he joked, if it was up to him, We'd build the creatures to be incredibly interesting and imaginative and then not put any light on them because yeah. he was afraid of showing them and getting judged for them. <laughs> it's kind of like Maynard. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like like most insecure artists, yeah. honestly. Absolutely. Like you have this great idea and everybody thinks it's amazing, but you don't want to show it to the shit. world at all. Yeah. He's a 23-year-old kid working with somebody that he like reveres. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'd probably do the same fucking thing. Uh, where'd I leave off? 
Norris est- estimates that the alien ship has been buried for at least 100,000 years. It's a long fucking That's time. That's a long time. That so, ice is 100,000 so, years old. So the, uh, <laughs> the scene that we get in the beginning of the film took place 100,000 years before the event. Oh, the first... That fucking, that fucking the alien spaceship, spaceship landed 100,000 years ago. 100,000 years Think ago? About that ship and it did ago. jack shit. It did. It just wanted to go in the ice and then freeze and then until fuck, we came along. We got fucking stuck here. Do you think they, they meant to land there? I don't know. It looked kind of like they came to a crash landing. The it thing did. was going pretty fast. That was the impression that I got that that was a mistake. But we then, have, what, good job, aliens. You but then fucking was moron. the Arctic got, even like the Arctic 100,000 years ago? It was more years? Arctic. Right? You, Wasn't you, the whole world Arctic? You've mastered intergalactic space travel and you can't fucking land your ship properly. You I don't dumb know what fucking age, alien. What age were we in 100,000 years ago? I don't know enough about that. To be I don't know. I was going to say, I don't even know what to say. I don't either. Uh, Mesopotamiac. <laughs> is that not a... What the hell is this? <laughs> Hammurabi's code. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's about the extent of my history. Um, <laughs> Blair grows paranoid that the creature could assimilate all life on Earth in a matter of years. Uh, he actually does... It's 27,000 minutes. Yeah. Uh, he actually, yeah, he runs a... Uh, uh, or, that, sorry, 27,000 hours, which uh, is a little over three years. Mm. He runs that, that estimation on his computer. That's right. Uh, it looks asti- like he's playing I'm the Oregon on Trail. My computer. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It does. It does. It looks like he's playing like Asteroids or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> a calculation that was probably far too powerful to be, or far too much for a computer to be able to process at that point in time. In like two minutes. Yeah, manages to process it, uh, and and pumps out that that yeah that estimation, and so he just says to himself, "Well, fuck it, you know, we're gonna we're gonna destroy everything." As a result of this, uh, the dead malformed humanoid creature assimilates in isolated bennings, uh, but Windows interrupts the process, and McCready burns the bennings thing. Uh, Blair sabotages all the vehicles, killing. Uh, the remaining sled dogs and destroying the radio to prevent escape. So Blair has not only lost his fucking rocker, he's has like, he? I think he has by this point. I think that I think it's just like a combination of the stress of the whole situation. So mm-hmm. I, I do have a specific the note about isolation, this. Mm-hmm. the panic, but the pan- yeah. <laughs> but the, this goes back to what you were saying about how the people that like not the, the the Americans and the Norwegians not trusting each other, right? And how everything could have. Ended right there if they were just able to understand to each communicate other. communicate with each other better. And I took a specific note about whether or not Blair's actually right. Like, if he destroys everything, he kills all the dogs, and this thing can't go anywhere, does it just end right there and he doesn't have to worry about it taking over the whole world? No, it doesn't end right there because the rescue team lands. They have a team that's going to deliver them more supplies. But what it like, it takes over him. But it yeah. only takes over living things. So if everybody's dead and everything's broken... Is he planning broken, on killing himself also? Maybe. It kind of seemed like he was just out to kill everybody else. Well, no, because think about it. Like, these things... Uh, there's scenes in the film where the people are dead, right? But they start to thaw out and the goop drips down. And all all anything living has to do is just come in contact with yeah. it. And they become part... Or they become with the next the thing. Goop? Yeah. Yeah. And remember that guy's like... The, the goop's like dripping out of uh, windows. Yes. As he's like thawing out in the back room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Part of me just felt like Blair was maybe onto something. Like. Yeah. But. I mean, I could see where you're coming from. But he, he's definitely gone crazy. It though. doesn't seem like he. I mean, I think you might be right that he genuinely thought that he was doing the right thing, but mm. 
he was wrong. Right. Well, see, my biggest my biggest question about this movie, right, is we see the spaceship flying in, coming into a crash landing or whatever it is, 100,000 years ago at the start of the film. How does a virus pilot a spaceship? <laughs> Because that's essentially what this alien is. It's yeah. a virus. Yeah. yeah. So the question is, is the vi- has the virus taken over like another alien being? And that's not even their ship. It's and that's just... not even its ship. It just crash lands on purpose Maybe. to be able to take over everything on Earth because it's possessed an alien? Perhaps. Or are viruses capable of flying spaceships? I don't think that viruses <laughs> are capable of flying spaceships. It's, it's really like the biggest question that I have about this movie. I, I, I would assume that yes, it's it's infected another alien life form, hitched a ride on its spaceship. But is it the Greys or the lizard people? The lizard people for sure. You think it's the lizard? So this is the beginning. Mm-hmm. This is this is how it all happens. This is all how it happened. Lizard people. This this is no longer a fictional film. It is fact. <laughs> John Welcome Carpenter. To Conspiracy Corner. John Carpenter <laughs> knows more things than he lets on. Yes. And do they live? Didn't he? Yeah. And Illuminati <laughs> confirmed. So they confirmed. live. They live was about the grays. This would be about the lizard the people. Lizard people. Yep. 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 It all makes sense. Everything okay. checks out. It does. It's, we figured it out, boys. We did it. This is why people listen to this podcast for this kind of hard hitting <laughs> like anecdotes that we, we go <laughs> off on in the middle of our synopses. So nobody has any idea where we are in the plot of this film. What the fuck uh, we're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. All right. So as a result, the uh, the team begins to well, they don't begin to they imprison uh, Blair in in the tool shed because that's comfortable and and nice and (laughs) not going to lead to any problems whatsoever. It looks Um, chilled. It does. It does. It does not look comfortable. Uh, (laughs) Copper suggests a test to compare out each member's blood against uncontaminated blood held in storage. But after learning that the blood stores have been destroyed, the men lose faith in Gary and McCready takes command. So at this point, we got uh, luscious locks McCready over here. Who never seems to wear anything on his head. Yeah, dude. He's in like negative 40 degree weather. And he's just like, yeah, I can stand out here yeah. because my hair gives me Just protection. put a fucking hat on, dude. He's like, he's like fucking fine. Yeah, but then you won't see that magnificent mane. None of these people are dressed as though they were scientists in the Arctic. No. They all dress like they were just kind of like bust up there and they had no idea where they were like going. They're fucking Alaskans logging or something. Yeah, like it's much colder in the Arctic than it is in... I mean, <laughs> again, like it would make sense Alaska. if that was Wilfred Brimley because they found him there. Right. That's true. That's true. We've That's why he doesn't have any hair because it all yeah. <laughs> froze off. <laughs> That's why he doesn't have the mustache yet, right? Yeah. The frostbite <laughs> yeah, his skin is damaged from the frostbite. <laughs> it will take years for it to heal. So uh, McCready, Windows, and Nalls find Fuchs' burnt corpse and surmise he committed suicide to avoid assimilation. So at this point, they know that there's at least something else out there because it caused Fuchs to commit suicide. Right? Tried to possess mm-hmm. Fuchs because we see when you see Fuchs, he's he he looks he's got his face, but his body's already started to transform yes. and like all this other stuff. So it's pretty obvious it's a suicide. And honestly, like if more team members yeah. on this on this. Took one for the team. Yeah, just decided <laughs> to have the balls to off themselves. We probably wouldn't have this. And maybe issue. that was Blair's plan. What to get everybody to off themselves? Just kill everybody. Faith oh. in Blair. Destroy everything. Kill everybody, and the the thing is stuck there and can't get anywhere. What I'm with, what until I'm getting the from this supplies come is that until more animals come. Yeah. Until that, well, until, no, because it begs the question: Does it survive if it doesn't have a host? 
global warming eventually melts the That's ice. <laughs> <laughs> global warming is a sham. Though, mm-hmm. like a hundred thousand year ice holding some sort of virus. That's literally the plot of this fucking film. <laughs> I mean, there are scientists already fucking with that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Taking ice true. cores and thawed this shit out. You don't know what's in there. Exactly. Yeah, what if death. I know exactly what's yeah, in there. It's, it's fucking it's death. death. It's, it's death. frozen death. It's going to leak into the water and, and we're all going to fucking This is die. the world that you two are bringing children no, into. No, we're not Flint, Michigan yet. Okay. We'll we're, wait. We're getting close, though. So all the glaciers are going to melt. And I just want it to be known that I'm the responsible bacteria. one here. You two are bringing children into this world. Oh, please. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Can't wait for your child to become silas thing maybe my (laughs) child will be the one to save the glaciers what's your child gonna do nothing no what have you contributed he's gonna sit in his balls apparently (laughs) i'm fucking blair god damn it (laughs) you're not a good idea if we all just kill ourselves (laughs) wow group suicide episode 100 (laughs) confirmed we just came up with the best idea we've ever had yes (laughs) yes I love it. We have been coming up with ideas. <laughs> Seriously, though, if you're thinking about suicide, please get help. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, the debate erupts. Well, actually, sorry. That's that's jumping a little too far ahead. Um, on the return, Nulls abandons McCready in a snowstorm. So mm-hmm. they he, he cuts the, the tow line that they've got tied to each other because the snowstorms are really bad. He's like, I'm not being attached to you. Yeah, Fuck it's because they discover... Uh, it's because Nalls doesn't have McCready's hair. He can't survive out there. No. Yes, that would be correct. Uh, no one has a hat on. <laughs> that's true. No, that's pretty much everybody except McCready is wearing a fucking hat. The only hat McCready wears is one that I want so goddamn bad it hurts. That Mexican cap. He just like wears in the middle of the Arctic, like oh, he's right. fucking like Sombrero Joe or some shit. <laughs> Sombrero Joe. <laughs> um. Anyways, he cuts the tow line. Nalls cuts the tow, the tow line because he's uh, believes that McCready has been assimilated because he finds torn clothes in his shack. Mm-hmm. Uh, McCready later in the film kind of presents the idea. Well, you know what happens if I didn't put those there? What if somebody? What if mm-hmm. this thing put it there on purpose to get everybody to? To distrust, to distrust one, another. one another exactly and it's totally fucking with them yeah absolutely 100 percent. It's, it's playing on their emotions towards each other mm-hmm. it, and it and it's doing so very effectively it is very effectively um the team debate about so it, it, sorry mccready starts knocking on the door let me in let me in here blah 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 he manages to break a window and get into the back of the uh of the um station but the team debates about whether or not they should let McCready become part of this uh, but they don't really have too much of a choice because he holds up a stick of dynamite yep. and he's like come he close himself he, in <laughs> come come any close a stick of dynamite and a flare and just like, come any closer and and everybody dies um, I also really love the ample usage of um like a like fire gun what would you call that flare gun. flamethrower flare, flame flamethrower thrower, yeah. thank you <laughs> a fire gun <laughs> you don't see those enough I don't think <laughs> Fire gun is better than you're right. Elon, Elon Musk should really make those more. That was not a flamethrower. <laughs> what was it then? It was a he fucking called it something different. No, it's called not a flamethrower. Not a flamethrower. But it was a flamethrower. No, it was not a flamethrower. It was a very weak flamethrower. It was not your Vietnam flamethrower. No. no, like the ones that they have on this Arctic base for some fucking yeah. weird reason to melt things. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Maybe you just really need to make a quick hole in the ice. Okay. So you, so you bust out the trusty flamethrower? Yeah. 
it's a lot faster than sawing like through it. They have dynamite you. though. That that would make that would yeah, be but even that faster. could lead to cracks. Uh, mm, like, what if you wanted to go ice fishing? Like you usually, just drop, you just drill a hole. You just grab the old flamethrower. <laughs> yeah, just flame make a hole. Just, just just point right. straight down. Watch your toes. Yep. Geehaw. That's one Wilfred way. Wilfred Brimley would do it. That's one way of handling things. Uh, during the encounter, Norris appears to suffer a heart attack. No. So as the as uh, Copper attempts to defib. I've always had trouble saying defibrillate. Say say the first part until that word. Defibrillate. Norris. I was just gonna say say it once he starts to and then pause and Alex or I could say the word. Defibrillate. Defibrillate. There you go. Defibrillate. Norris. His chest transforms into a large mouth. Bites off Copper's arms. The chest chomp. So Sam, you want to talk about how this scene was done? Because it's actually pretty. This is really cool. Uh, so this scene is lovingly known as the chest chomp mm. and is probably the most memorable scene in the movie. Yeah. Uh, Mainly because I think it caught, cat, everybody who watches this film for the first time is totally caught off guard yes. by this yeah. scene. Um, so as Palmer <laughs> explained, the chest opens up as uh, Dysart goes in to revive uh, Norris. <laughs> uh, the chest opens up and turns into a giant. It looks like a fucking bear trap wrapped in skin, really. Yeah, um, and just chews off the fucking arms of Dr. Copper. Uh, so the story behind this one is uh, that Charles Hallahan, playing Norris here, spent a week and a half having his body replicated down, even down to his chest hair pattern. Wow. Via fiberglass and latex. Uh, and in order to pull this off, Botton found a man who had lost both of his arms below the elbow in an industrial accident. Mm-hmm. He fit the man with two prosthetic forearms consisting of wax bones, rubber veins, and jello. Uh, and then for the wide angle shot, he fit the man with a skin like mask taken from a mold of Dysart's face and placed the arms into the chest cavity where a set of mechanical jaws clamped down on them. And as the actor pulled his arms away, the jello arms severed below the elbows, and the rest is practical effects history. Uh, a fun fact about this, though, is the first time they did this. So setting up this shot apparently takes about 10 hours. Wow. To, I can imagine to that. get everyone in place to fill up everything uh-huh. and make sure everything's ready to, to go. get the chest hair right. <laughs> takes about ten hours. That's a lot for a scene that lasts maybe ten seconds. Well, yeah, yeah, not long. And so they they did the first shot. John Carpenter fucking hated it because huh. all of the viscera and shit shot straight up. Uh huh. So he he said it looked like a fountain in Vegas. <laughs> Fuck yeah! And he's like, no, we're doing this again. So they did it again, and they got it right on the second take after a whole bunch of tinkering. But the entire time that they're setting up for the second shot, Hallahan is strapped to the table the whole time. Can't move. <laughs> That's amazing. So they just rebuild the whole thing around him. Um, and then when his head falls off the table afterwards, mm-hmm. that was done by melting a bunch of plastic and microwaving bubblegum and stuffing it inside the neck of the fake head, mm-hmm. which is how you got that slow, drippy drip, mm, yeah. kind of thing off the table. But because it was cold there, uh, they they had issues with uh, keeping Hallahan warm while he was strapped in place. Mm-hmm. So their bright idea was to bring in like a almost like a space heater, but it was like a small pipe that had just like small flames that were coming up out of it. Okay. The problem was all the melted plastic and all the shit they had to use to make this uh-huh. filled the whole room up with fumes and exploded and oh blew God. up the fake body that oh, Hallahan that was underneath. all that time working on? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, that's... Holy fuck. 
Yeah. That's when, that's when you pack it up, boys. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, fuck this. I don't have the patience for practical effects. Right. <laughs> I don't have it. <laughs> there was a point in time when I really wanted to go into that. It's right. like, a, yeah, no, I'm with you. I don't think I'd have the patience for it. I think I would have just broken down. <laughs> Lost my mind. So uh, as Sam mentioned, uh, the the Norris thing's head uh, has, has detached itself. Uh, in an effort to prevent itself from being burned, because at this point, McCready incinerates the Norris thing's body. Um, and so they realize what's going on, right? They see this crab-like thing trying to walk trying away to sneak from away. the bottle. Yeah, body. it is. <laughs> and so, uh, obviously... Like, don't, don't, don't mind me. I'm yeah. just going over here. It kind of reminds me of what my dog does when she's done something bad, and then <laughs> she tries to sneak away. <laughs> oh, Marley. <laughs> I'm like, get over here. Uh, you don't try to light her on fire, do you? No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's me. Light my dog on fire. So McCready takes the flamethrower to this thing's head too, and uh, it's a fire gun. <laughs> it's a. You're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, McCready is forced to kill Clark in self-defense when Clark launches at him from behind with a knife. Uh, he hop- hypothesizes at uh, the Norris thing's head demonstrated that every part of the thing is an individual life form mm. uh, with its own survival instinct which is very interesting yeah way of going about it it is it is uh well i mean it makes sense on a cellular level right it does um so he sequentially tests blood samples with a heated piece of uh conduit and each pass uh the test except for palmer (laughs) oh god God. palmer i love you so much brother you won't be forgotten in movie history (laughs) Uh, he lasted longer than I thought he was going he did. to. He did. To yeah. be honest with you. Uh, so when when they take this hot wire and press it into the blood, it immediately jumps up from the heat. Palmer begins to transform and infects windows, forcing McCready to burn them both. Mm. So we're down to what three people, four people now. Yeah. Uh, Childs is. They're getting knocked off quick. Yeah, they are. They really are. Uh, so Childs is left on guard while the others go to test Blair. They find that Blair has escaped. It has been using vehicle components to assemble a small spacecraft. On their return, Childs is missing and the power generator is destroyed. McCready speculates that the thing intends to run or return to hibernation until a rescue team arrives. McCready, Gary, and Nalls decide to detonate the entire station to destroy the thing. As they set the explosives, Blair kills Gary and Nalls disappears blair transforms into a enormous creature and destroys the detonator mccready triggers the explosives using a stick of dynamite destroying the entirety of the base so, so two fun facts with that right there mm-hmm. uh the blair thing yeah mm-hmm. 300 fucking pounds what that doesn't oh, the, surprise uh, me 300 pounds huge 300 yeah. pounds of foam latex and rubber that's amazing and it took 63 people to move it around to move it around to operate all the moving parts it doesn't surprise me. And there's a, there's a del- lot. There's a stop motion deleted scene okay. of the Blair thing. Um, yeah, because they tried to use stop motion initially, but Carpenter, Carpenter said it looked too fake. It, yeah. He said it looked too fake, and he said that he could tell that it was stop motion. Yes. Um, As you and, can with anything that's stop motion. Yeah, absolutely. It has a very specific uh, it was, look to it. It was, yeah. a, it was about a five, five seconds of footage that was spliced into the scene in varying pieces. Okay. So it was like be close up on the Blair thing and then zoom out, mm-hmm. and you'd see like the whole Blair thing. But the like the whole scenery looks completely like everything yeah. looks completely different. Yeah, um, I mean it's an incredible. And it took three weeks alien. to took three weeks to shoot it, and didn't get used. 
Um, and then also, I feel like that's the story of a lot of horror, yes. like horror films, yeah. though. Like it the, really is. And then also, another great use of practical effects. Sometimes you just gotta blow shit up. Yep. Kurt Russell almost kills himself doing it because mm. uh, he did not ex- he did not know how strong one stick of dynamite was. Okay. Uh, so, like most people probably wouldn't understand. No. Yeah. How I was just thinking. I don't know how strong is. a stick of dynamite is. So the one where he throws it. Yeah. Totally caught him off guard. And was that real dynamite? It was real dynamite. They let him play with real dynamite. I mean, he's pretty to look at, but maybe not other. Well, and, he would have been really and, pretty if he was just splattered take, all over the wall. Yeah. The take that he throws and it like knocks him back. Uh huh. That's the real take that you see in the movie. Oh wow. Of him almost killing yeah, himself. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Well, dynamite don't fuck around. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. It takes no hostages. Uh, the creedy sits nearby as the station burns. Child ret- child's returns saying he became lost in the storm while pursuing Blair. Exhausted and slowly freezing to death, they acknowledge the futility of their distrust and share a bottle of scotch. They do. <laughs> they love their scotch in this movie. This whole I movie is just a J&D fucking, though. yeah, it's just a massive advertisement for J&T. <laughs> <laughs> this shit is so gross. Because it's true, though. I mean, there's no possible way they could survive out there much longer once, no. the, once, nope. the, once the station burns up, right? Yeah, dude. There's a, so, but I think that's like ultimately what, what and the they assumption knew is. The wide assumption is that they're just going to freeze to death. Yes. And they knew that. But so the other ex- Wilford Brimley did. Yeah, they- but the other read on it is that neither one of them knows if the other one is infected. Uh, yeah, I mean, I always... And so there's, there's a general expectation that McCready says... I always assume Child's infected. That's just the way that I've always interpreted the end of the film. But, mm-hmm. like, the way... The, another way to look at it is that if McCready is infected and he gives the bottle to Child's, Child's would get infected by drinking it. And at this right. point, they're just like, you know, fuck it. It doesn't matter. Because at this point, that's their moment of survival. Well, I mean, if, if one of them... Become, yeah. Yeah, if they I'd become like to the be thing, <laughs> if they become the thing, they're going to survive. Yeah, but I mean, their I mean, their brain disappears, right? right. Yeah. Their body survives. Yeah. But I mean, at that point, I guess what do you have left to lose? Something that used to be there, but that resembles their body survives. Yeah, you're yeah. right. <laughs> I so want to be the big alien. <laughs> so uh, that's that's the end of the movie. Yeah. It, it is that's a bleak nihilistic ends. ending, which I really appreciate. It is, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, when you when you sit back and watch this, you know, I don't think that this was something that a lot of people, especially in the 80s, would have been prepared for. No. Right? You know, we don't live in a time where we see stuff like Irreversible come out or, um, I'm j- I mean, just think about all the, the fucking bleak horror. <laughs> like, could you imagine if uh, not the fog, the mist came out oh, back yeah. in 1980? Yeah, no, people would. You're gonna like tell that. me that like you're, you're gonna release a scene where a man kills his fucking kid and, and wife only to find out that they could have been saved 30 seconds later? Yep. Or like a Serb- <laughs> or like a Serbian film. Yeah, that's a black comedy, Alex. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that people had a much more uplifted attitude about things in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. This was to bring them back down to earth. This was to bring them back down. You can't just spend all your time in the mall, people. Well, you got plenty <laughs> the economy is about to go down into the shitter. Yeah, you got plenty of films that were released in the 80s that did have bleak outlooks on things, but they were all like smaller films. You didn't get major, major studio releases pictures, yeah. that featured this kind of stuff with yeah. that type of budget. It with yeah. those type of actors. Oh yeah, that kind of a director. With that type of director, yeah, no, they don't make movies like that. Yeah, no, everything, everything about this movie, when you when you sit back and you think about it, is a recipe for disaster. Yeah, especially at the time when it was released. Yeah, I think that the time it was released has a such a huge thing to do with it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, In the nineties, this would have done phenomenal. 
<laughs> People love bleakness. Yeah, then I would have hated it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, you would. You only would have hated it if it came out after '95. Yeah, what if it was like '92? Yeah. yeah. If this movie just waits one decade, ten years. Yeah. Is that? But are we long enough into the '90s at that point for like? The bleakness yes. to kind of take hold. Absolutely. I don't, uh, see, like, the, then we start getting into stuff like, like the dentist, and like. <sighs> I feel like just it, so picky about. In the nineties, people don't care. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that I guess because it, it's probably that's part this, of the problem. Like, yeah, because yeah, I mean, at that at that point, Gen <laughs> X is pretty problem. much in full swing. So yeah. yeah. I think this would have done well. I think this they fucking done hated everything. Well, in the nineties. Yeah. I mean, it did do well in the 90s, because at that point, people that's, liked this yeah, movie. Yeah, that's when people liked this movie. <laughs> it totally makes sense, man. Yeah. It does. <laughs> makes too much sense, especially at this Nothing point. Nothing fucking matters. <laughs> no, man. Which was actually partly John Carpenter's whole fucking thing. And like, no matter what this, you do, yeah. you know what I mean? Nothing really at the end matters. So in, like, in, a, in a documentary that he does called The Thing Terror Takes Shape, which was in 1998. Mm-hmm. He says the film can be seen as a metaphor for whatever you want. Disease, AIDS, the breakdown of trust in the world, but whatever the interpretation of audience that audiences came up with, mm-hmm. the thing always comes from within. Mm-hmm. So this movie is really reflective of whatever the current conditions are. Because you can see right. those kind of current social and political issues represented in this movie. Absolutely. Which, I know. think that's part of the reason that it stands the test of time so well, though, is mm-hmm. because of the fact that it's so reflective on things regardless of the generation. Mm-hmm. And there's not a whole – because of the basis on practical effects, the lack of stop motion animation, it's hard to kind of put a date on it. Whereas, like, you go back and you watch stuff from the early ni- or late 90s, early 2000s, and it's so heavy mm-hmm. heavy on CGI, that places a prime date on things. Yeah. Like, yeah. And while, the like, the practical effects, uh, kind of, as you mentioned, under the lens of HD – might not it's stand a the hard to watch. Yeah, it, it might not stand well, the test of time to watch, compared to like modern practical effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but honestly, like they still look pretty fucking decent. Yeah, they, they look do. great. They honestly, really they do. do. It's it's really only like where stuff is still like when they're the dissection of the humanoid at the beginning of the film, mm-hmm. um, the bodies when they're put in the in the back room. Oh yeah, like the the that's really the only time that you can really see and, it's fake. And so I was watching I was watching a video. I don't remember his name, but it was the the director of photography was talking about it and he was saying the the way you get people to buy into it is you don't show them the whole thing at once. Right. You and so that's why a lot of like when even when we saw it with the dogs in the beginning, mm-hmm. it's it's close-ups of small parts and the his rationale was, you know, you you have to get people to suspend disbelief and believe in the impossible. And the way to do that is to show them small pieces of the impossible until they're comfortable with it being possible. Mm-hmm. And then you can show them the whole thing. They did the same thing in Alien, too. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and I think all of that does a really good job at helping, while the, while the creature effects do look a little dated, right? still works mm-hmm. 30 years or almost 40 years later. Mm-hmm. I'd agree. I would agree with that. What are we giving this? What are we rating it out of? Mm. I feel like it has to do with Wilfred Brimley. Or else, what the fuck are we even doing diabetes. here? Diabetes. Diabetes. How many diabetes are we rating this out of? Is it would the plural of that be diabetes? I? Diabetes. Diabetes. We could call it a... How many... What did you call it? A flame gun? A flame, flame guns, yes. How many flame guns are we giving this? I will give this... 
Four out of five flame guns. Okay. All right. I'm also going to give it four flame guns. Oh, my goodness gracious. Or fire, fire guns. Fire, fire guns. guns. Fire guns. That's what we called it. So we got... Uh, so far, we have eight fire guns. Yeah. I'm, it's a five for me. Okay. This is another... Right. <laughs> this, this is a month of two fives, apparently, for yes. me. Uh, the team likes aliens. Well, I think... Like I said, I think we just... We picked such good films for this month. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm pretty sure our, our movie for next month is also going to be... A five from me, or no, not for next, week. Week. For next week is also going to be a five from me. I can I can already tell you that I'm giving Invasion of the Body Snatchers five Donald Sutherland. You just want to see Donald Sutherland scream. <laughs> well, the thing I think it was another <clears throat> another note that I wrote down, but I deleted it, so I don't remember who it was. Um, but there is a or Bennings, the screech that Bennings makes in this oh, is uh-huh. bonkers. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, I am so excited to hear Donald Sutherland scream. But, I mean, it, it is really interesting because you see a lot of the same sounds in the aliens in this mm-hmm. that you see in all of these other alien movies that have yet to come out by this point. Right. Well, I mean, so many so many movies have taken yeah. from this movie. Yeah. I mean, it's so popular. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's such an inspiration. Not an inspiration, but you know that word I'm thinking nah, of. No, it's definitely an inspiration. <laughs> it's an inspiration. <laughs> um. Yeah, so this ends up being a four point three 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 from us. I think it's a fair score. Four and one third fire guns. I mean, it's it's really like point seven short across the board if you're going to ask me. But but no one did. So moving on. You know, nobody values my opinion. So no, you know what opinion of yours we do value that we didn't care about last week because it was a general consensus zero. How's your wine? Oh. Oh, that's right. We didn't even good. bother asking last week. Yeah. Fuck that garbage. Good. Is it sledgehammer good? No. Will we but ever find ever sledgehammer again? <laughs> I still maintain you bought that at like a at some weird gypsy pop up. <laughs> Never to be Called seen Kroger. again. Because <laughs> it doesn't exist anywhere. This was a good one. Um, I don't. I like. I like Nineteen Crimes a lot. I would buy it. I would drink it again. Would it be in my top five wines that we've had on this cast? Probably not. Mm, that's fair. No. Top ten, probably. Are you taking a list? Do you remember the top five that you like? Are you? I have the um, sledgehammer, 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 sledgehammer. Yeah, that's yeah. it. <laughs> Got it. Cool, cool. <laughs> Wine for men. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So obnoxious. <laughs> Let's hit the housekeeping. Local fans, we're going to be going to see Ready or Not this Friday, uh, the day we release this episode, August twenty third, at seven forty five p.m. at the West Tower. Regal. Uh, the address is 8988 West Broad Street in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, so come join on the fun if you're if you're around. Uh, a couple people have already told us they will be there. So awesome. Uh, Jacob's coming. Um, we'll hang out in the lobby for a little bit. Somebody else said some something about coming too. That is the that is one of the benefits to going down to Bowtie is drinking. Drinking down there. Oh, versus going to West Tower. Yeah, I just want to. I want to be with the people. I want to be of the people this yeah. week. We'll wait for you in the grungy. lobby. Get grungy with it this week. Have to... It's really just because it's an opening weekend, and I know nobody's going to go to West Tower, so <laughs> I'd rather go see the movie with. Welcome there. to our lives. <laughs> Do you try and stay away from people as much as possible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we're also going to be checking out uh, Rob Zombie's Three from Hell Monday, September sixteenth at seven p.m. at the Regal Westchester Commons. Uh, that's three sixty one Perimeter Drive, Midlothian, Virginia. So uh, some local friends have actually communicated us that they'll be there in cosplay for that event so that ought to be a fun one because that's a three night showing right yeah so and there's special 
giveaways or whatever each night? Yeah. So the Especially first night is a poster. Yeah. The second night is like commentary. has like a commentary. Okay. And the third night is a double feature. Double feature. Um. So we'll a be out double there too. feature, but for the third of a trilogy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we're in the midst of trying to plan an outing for it, chapter two, and we'll announce those details once we've had a chance to cement them. Um, mm -hmm. Over the past couple of weeks, we've had an influx of independent horror films fall into our laps, and as a result, we've decided to do a whole month of lesser-known indie horror stuff. Uh, we only need one more to give us a full month, so if you know anybody that's got a movie that they'd like us to talk about on the cast don't hesitate to email us let us know to contact contact us on social media we'd love to talk about it next month we've got almost the full lineup set um no budget is too small we'll watch them all first come first serve though so bring them on um next week we're wrapping up our month of scary aliens with uh classic invasion of the body snatchers mm -hmm. um yeah we basically already covered it with the faculty but <laughs> fuck it let's let's get around to the better version <laughs> Boo. You shut your whore mouth uh as always you can follow us on instagram facebook and twitter all at terror and podnito you can follow us individually too i'm palmer at sturmsworth and uh you can email us over at cast at terrorandpodnito.com if you desire as well uh we always enjoy hearing from our listeners so bring it on um that'll it's do twice you said bring it on in Did the I? last like <laughs> also i'm at sam heaps and alex is at amvoy or a looters. a looters yeah man we're here too no you're not i, I think i think he just got like deep into his script i did i just bring it on bring it on <laughs> bring it on <laughs> bring it on uh that'll do now though as always that'll do now <laughs> that'll do pig <laughs> keep it creepy Bring it uh. up.